the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, July 29th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. Cleaned up, clean cut, and clean shaved. I got to cover off to 68. I fired it up and let them horses sing a little pretty thing. A little tan leg Georgia dream. She's rocking them holy jeans. Baby, what you got going on Saturday? You know, words got it. It's gonna be a party. Out of town about half a mile. Four wheel drives and big mud tires. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Got big deals going on at MyPillow. The My Slippers, over $90 off. 90? Six, six piece sheet sets, six piece towel sets. Original My Slippers. And now, My Coffee. It's been unleashed. We're drinking it. It's delicious. And a promo code to take a checkout. You can get all the savings that are going on down at mypillow.com forward slash steak or my store forward slash steak. And you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, hosting my kind of party, oh, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Steak for Breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Pretty fire IG as well. MediocreMedic.com is the website. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's the licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. New to redesign, easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. And last, but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. The gold standard of tactical flair can be found at dumpbox.us. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find him on Instagram, find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, 
and now even our verified account on True Social. Welcome. Friday edition. Steak for Breakfast podcast. Episode 156. It's a battleground special. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yo. Mike Crispy's guest hosting with us today. Hello. Guys, we've got a great show lined up for you. Tons of guests. Big surprises coming in and out throughout the course. But before we start any of that, let's jump a little bit into the uh, news cycle that's going on. How you guys doing? Outstanding. Mike, welcome back. Great to be back, fellas. Every day we spend apart, I miss you a little bit more. So what an honor to be back. Yeah, guest so hosting. Our, pl- our pleasure to host you, and uh, hopefully you enjoy your time with us today as you do every time on Steak for Breakfast. I don't know if you heard this vi- banger from the Vice President of the United States this week. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And Shut the fuck up. Hmm. How about that? We are in, well, we have entered into what will be the worst recession in the history of the United States. Our Congress has voted to appropriate $2 trillion worth of spending in addition to an additional $40 billion for Ukraine. So we're going to have to update that. We're now at an even 15 solid border walls worth of money have been funneled to Ukraine since the start of the conflict there. I'm updating the board as we speak. And the second most powerful person supposedly on the planet, the Vice President of the United States, is she hurrying herself into conversations double masked and sitting at least six feet apart from Everybody. She wasn't wearing a mask when she said that. She certainly was. Oh, she was? Yeah. Double mask. Oh, no. Cloth over the surgical. I couldn't hear the... Pretty sad. Mike, what do you think? Uh, Definitely, uh, listen, the adults are in charge. America's back. And, uh, man, intimidating our foreign enemies, it's probably right there as well, right? Listen, nobody can accuse her now of lying 100% of the time. Her suit was, in fact, blue. (laughs) Um, and that's about it. That's about the only thing that Kamala Harris has uh, honestly done here. So I don't understand what that was from. I mean, I keep seeing that clip played. I saw the thing where she did the Wakanda thing. Which yeah. I don't even understand what that was. She did a promo. So for, what it, it was, the hell is going on? Kamala Harris has an opportunity to shine. Joe Biden, you know, had, you know, the great uh, uh, common cold uh, going on for a couple days. And this is what she does. She announces her pronouns. She's doing the Wakanda thing. I think she's intentionally eliminating herself <laughs> out of the presidential contention for 2024. It's like she's bombing on purpose. I think she knew she got into this in over her skis. And I think she's like, listen, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to do ridiculous things, sound stupid, uh, and just not be a contender for 24. So that's my take, guys. She's eliminating herself from contention uh, by just being Kamala. No, I don't disagree with you there. And the fact of the matter, well, you said sounding stupid. If you thought she took the cake, you better hold your breath because we're going to hear old duct tape eyes mixed open. Joe Biden, talk about this. this. Every day we rely on law enforcement to save lives. Then on January 6th, we relied on law enforcement to save our democracy. We saw what happened. The Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police. Mm -hmm. Other law enforcement agencies were attacked and assaulted before our very eyes, speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized, and lives were lost. 
And no, for three weren't. hours, that's like a blatant the lie. defeated former president of the United Nancy States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. Well, where do you want him to While be? While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage, face to face with crazed mob that believed the lies of the defeated president. The police were heroes that day. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. The brave women and men. Yeah, it sounds like he's coming off a wicked NyQuil hangover. Should never oh. forget that. COVID? You can't oh, be yeah. pro-insurrection and pro-cop. Mm-hmm. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. Mm-hmm. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. Mm-hmm. I think there that's no greater responsibility. Literally our history. That's literally how we got we here. To do all we can Ugh. to ensure the safety of our families, our children, our community our nation, and our law enforcement officers. And my eyelids. I will always meet that duty. Duty? Just as you do every single day. Just Just like I do every single day. He just took that duty. He sounds in so much pain. God bless you all. Now, the the video that is disturbing, because if you look, and there's been people that have posted uh, video clips of a speech supposedly from that day. Four hours earlier. And it's obviously, like, I don't know if he was unable to get through the speech because he was sick or was just fucking it up so bad or just looked like he was obviously just like reading the teleprompter. Like the last, uh, the last thing I saw him reading, he was literally staring at the podium, like didn't look up at all. Uh, but it's obvious they CGI'd eyes on him. Yeah. Because he, he was blinking or reading or it fucked it up, and then they couldn't even make it merge together well enough. They actually had to have a little pause in there too. Like, that's how bad it was. Mike, leader of the free world, supposedly, and uh, 81 million votes, and that's what we're getting right now. I I tell you, I noticed that thing with the eyes. It looked ridiculous. I thought he was just on some super drugs. Um, You know, I said, look at it closely enough. I'm like, all right, they definitely are pumping this guy full of something, and we all should know what that is. I mean, they'll never release it. When Trump said the infamous... He should take a drug test before the debate. Yeah, uh, he was spot on, and he's on, he's either again they're either CGIing it or he's on some very serious substances, and it confirms what we've all been told was that Joe Biden is lethargic and you can't talk to him except for before and immediately after he's giving speeches because then they pump him up with some drugs and that lets him get through it. So it is really scary, um, you know, that this is happening, and it's scary that. That again, the media. Where is anybody asking, talking? Like, why is the president bug-eyed at the podium? This doesn't look right. Doesn't feel right. He's slurring. He sounds terrible. So they continue to ignore the health things, and at the same time, they continue to uh, validate what he says that oh, it's not a recession and all this. So I mean, it's really, really, really bad. Um, but I mean, this was the plan from all along, guys. Right? It was have a false flag right before. Uh, Biden regime took power so you could blame Trump perpetually for the next four years. When anything gets bad, you you allude to this false flag insurrection event. And that is their cloud cover for anything that they do that systematically destroys the country. We knew that was the case the day after January 6th. Yeah, and and unfortunately, it's exactly what's happening still. If you look at that clip and you zoom in on it, you can obviously see that his eyes are like his eyes and the surrounding facial features are moving in a way that doesn't match his face it is really weird and it's just scary right now the the situation that the country's in especially when you can only 
make a reasonable deduction at who's at the helm. What we are going to do is uh, maybe chat about that and a little bit more with our first special guest of the day on this battleground edition of Steak for Breakfast. He is the America First Trump endorse House candidate running to represent Washington three in the upcoming midterm. Just in a few days right now, Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Oh, sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? I can only assume that you're busy. You're like through the barnstorming season, and now you're just down to the wire with just a few days left before the big election next week. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the, the thing about running a, uh, a very busy campaign and never really having a break is that this just feels like another normal week for us, even <laughs> though it's hard to imagine. Uh, Tuesday is the big day. So we're doing town halls every night of the week. This weekend, we're going to be hitting multiple events throughout the day. My door knocking team is still out there trying to get out the vote. So we're, we're pretty busy right now in the last uh, 10 days. We've had $3.6 million from Super PAC money. Uh, spent against us with direct attack ads and direct mailers kind of going after going after me pretty heavily so that to me is better than polling to let to let me know that we're uh, we're doing all the right things yeah and, and then speaking of polling what can you tell us about some of the most recent polls that come out i mean they all are still favoring you and as we head into the weekend uh you know it, it should be kind of remaining the same as we get uh, ready to cast our votes on uh next tuesday yeah, you know, we haven't seen any independent polling lately. Um, the Trafalgar poll is the last one we have. However, the uh, like, like I said, the way that they're coming after me, the fact that they've, they've spent $3.6, $3.7 million, um, and then one of the super PACs that appeared out of nowhere to support one of the uh, spoiler candidates who technically is, is supposed to be running as America first, although she promised that she'd drop out uh, after Trump endorsed whoever whoever Trump endorsed. I made that same pro uh, promise too, but she decided to stay in. She spent most of her time attacking me. She couldn't fundraise or pull out of fourth place, but a super PAC recently appeared and uh, injected about $1.4 million towards her. That same super PAC is paying FEC fines as opposed to disclosing who their donors are. So that to me lets me know that uh, we're right over target and they the establishment still views us heavily as a threat because they're willing to spend this much money. They're willing to take FEC fines as opposed to disclosing their donors just to simply attack me and trying to erode away from my, uh, my support. No, I mean, that is the case. I'm wondering, you know, we'd like to chip in or maybe start a GoFundMe for you following uh, the primary right here. We could send Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of his friends up there in, huh. in Washington, D.C., some of those like edible arrangements for <laughs> at least you tried. You know, uh, we, we know it's still going to be a dogfight because of the jungle primary with what's going on yeah. in Washington between now and November. You probably, you know, any state that has jungle primaries, it's probably the case. But but the fact of the matter is you need to get through uh, this Tuesday and continue to do the, the amazing work that you've been doing to uh, kind of get through this. And it, it's interesting to see people like you, like, like Carrie Lake, there's a couple other, you know, people, Eric Reitens out in Missouri who have really felt the pressure and millions of dollars funneled into, uh, well, you call them challengers, but they're just there to kind of take away from the great job you're doing, uh, you know, against your campaign. And it's just really sad to see these people go and continuously grift to Donald Trump. You know, I've seen people like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz out there uh, talking about how Donald Trump was awesome this week when they were doing all those speaking events at the think tanks like the, uh, like the America First Institute and things like that. And, you know, the next thing, but you know, they're endorsing people who aren't endorsed by Trump and they're definitely using proxy super PACs to uh, funnel money in to make sure that they don't get over the finish line. So it just seems like it's more of the same from the establishment out in D.C. And we can only hope that, uh, you know, after this Tuesday, you at least put half of that narrative to bed. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really uh, that's our goal, obviously, is just to take back Congress for the people. And really, I, I tell folks all the time in the district, this is how the establishment essentially laughs at us. They think that they can make the America first movement just bicker and fight amongst ourselves to the point where we're not effective at the ballot box. That's why. We came up with the original arrangement that whoever Trump endorsed, the rest of us would drop out and rally behind. And I would have kept my word on on that end of the bargain because, number one, I keep my word. But number two, there's no way I would do Kevin McCarthy and all these establishment clowns the favor of staying in to divide the ticket. And right, right now, you re- really just have a bunch of fat cats sitting in Washington, D.C., laughing, pressing the, the send button on millions of dollars that are coming from corporate special interest groups, the same people that are ruining and destroying our country. And they, they're, they're using that money offensively to attempt to, to to, you know, split the ticket. I don't think it's going to work. I think the uh, the voter, the average voter is much more informed, especially in the post-Trump era. They, th- they saw how much flack was thrown Trump's way, how many millions, probably billions of dollars were thrown at President Trump. And in the end, it didn't, it didn't really matter because if you go out there and you interact with people, you knock on doors, you do town halls, you speak truth, people are going to understand where you're coming from. And that's what they want to see from candidates. So despite all the, uh, the flack we're taking, I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic. Yeah, and it seems like a pretty simple equation. When you look at what the purpose of the midterms are, when you don't hold the executive branch of power up on Capitol Hill, uh, it's to elect people who obviously are king-made by the leader of the party. That's Donald Trump. All polls are suggesting he is by a ridiculously wide margin. I think the low estimates are around 40%, but it only gets higher as you move down with the age demographic. To stop the Biden agenda. You know, we say or well, they say that they're working hard for us right now to push back against Joe Biden and what's going on in Washington, D.C. But just in the past seven days, we've seen 40 more billion dollars appropriated for Ukraine. We've seen the passing of the CHIP Act, which has 200 billion dollars worth of garbage in it. And we saw Build Back Better 2.0. Joe Manchin finally caved. And now he's going to vote on this, and that's going to wind up being another half a trillion dollars worth of money that we're just wasting in an economy that's entering recession. So... And then after the midterms, it's obviously to start opening up investigations, oversight, and see about potential impeachments. And it seems like the people who are in Washington, D.C. right now are only worried about electing people who aren't going to stand up to them. And I think that's been like one of the big narratives of this midterm election cycle. Yeah, I mean, that's really unfortunate. I I tell people all the time here in the district that we are at the forefront for the heart and soul of the Republican Party because everyone knows there's more than likely going to be a red wave this year. I I think that's almost a granted at this point. The question is, what kind of a red wave will it be? So if Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell and the establishment gets their way, it's going to be a very milquetoast red wave that's going to just point at the Biden administration and say, well, hey, aren't these Democrats horrible? If you give us more money and elect us in 24, then, you know, then we'll really change things. Mm. But you've even got McCarthy and and other folks right now saying that, hey, maybe we shouldn't talk about the stolen election of 2020. Maybe we shouldn't um, impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So it, it, it's a lot of like they're foreshadowing for what's to come if they get their way. And that's why they're spending so much money, not against Democrats. They're spending money against actual America first fighters right now. So that's what that's what the stakes are uh, currently. And so I, I think we just have to keep our movement focused on it. But again, I, I really think that the American people, especially the folks in my district, I think that they see this at a a very granular level with everything that's happening in the country right now with everything that happened in 2016 and then in 2020. That's why the establishment is absolutely freaking out right now and spending so much money in all these races because they they thought maybe once Trump was out of the White House that they could just make this America first Trump movement go away, but it's not going anywhere. It's only getting stronger. 
No, it most certainly is. Uh, Joe, why don't you let our listenership, especially our Washington listeners, we do have a lot of people who live up in the state that have been supporting you throughout, and why don't you just let them know, number one, what the next couple days is going to be looking like for you heading into Election Day, and then number two, anything that we could do to help support you moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. The, the best thing to do is just to go to JoeKentForCongress.com or follow me on any social media. I'm putting out our schedule daily. Later on today, I'm going to be up in Centralia at six o'clock for a, a town hall. Tomorrow is a very busy day. We're going to start out the day at the uh, GOP headquarters in Kelso, and then we're heading up to Adna around noon, and then we're uh, heading all the way up to Rochester at the uh, northern part of our district in the afternoon. So all three three town halls right there, and then the pace doesn't slow down. So Tuesday is the big election day. So really, what I need folks in the district to do is to make sure that you are voting. Uh, the, our voting started about two weeks ago, but Tuesday is the final day. So if you want to hold on to your ballot to the very end and hand deliver it to your, your county auditor's office, that's the way a lot of Republicans are going. On the second in Clark County where I live, I'm going to be dropping off uh, my ballot. All that information is on our website. So come on out and join us, but also get your friends and your family to vote. People can get registered to vote uh, basically online. If they didn't get mailed a ballot, they can go request one at the county auditor's office. So get your friends and family out there to vote. Make sure they have access to all the information. Right now, people's mailboxes in the district and the airwaves are inundated with millions of dollars saying that I am either a secret communist Bernie bro (laughs) or saying that I am secretly a white nationalist uh, Nazi sympathizer. So, I mean, really, they're they're taking the kitchen sink model and just throwing everything at me to see what sticks. So uh, I would say ignore all that and at least send people uh, to my website. If they go in the voters pamphlet, my phone number is in there and people can call me. My phone exploding 24 7 i'm trying to reach out to as many people as i can or come out to a town hall and you can ask me any questions that you want yeah that's great joe you you know it all starts and ends with candidates like you uh we've been tracking you since day one you were one of our uh well first america first interviews that we had on the show way back it's probably over a year now and uh we'll be looking forward to catch up with you at some point in the near future as soon as you get over that finish line with a big win next week uh we're going to live link everything in the show description today and direct as much of the traffic as we can to help you in these critical hours heading into the midterms and uh we wish you the best of health and luck heading into next week sir Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you. This is the America First Trump-endorsed candidate looking to represent Washington 3 in the U.S. House of Representatives. Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks, guys. So Donald Trump finished the long weekend, three speaking events in 72 hours, making a return to Washington, D.C., where he spoke at the America First Legal Institute and gave a stump speech to a very raucous crowd, which is not typical. Do you think Joe Biden could do uh, three speeches in 72 hours? Are you talking about... With or without his eyes super glued open? <laughs> no, I don't. It's hard to find more than like a 30-second soundbite of him. I was him. being somewhat facetious. Mike, did you catch any of Donald Trump's speech when he spoke at uh, America First League yeah, Institute? Yeah, first of all, with the Joe Biden uh, eyes glued, uh, I've been I've been late, intensively looking into this, it's okay? CGI. Pouring over the footage after Steak for Breakfast broke it. And it was definitely CGI. So yeah. You guys are right about that. Yeah. Um, if you, if, it, insane. Insane. The eyes don't blink. Anyway, uh, getting to Trump. There's one blink yeah, in the Trump whole video. Did, Trump, yeah. Trump did something that uh, Joe Biden could never do. Ever. And it's the first time where a Democrat versus a Republican uh, were so different on such a basic function. And that is uh, standing up in front of a crowd and delivering a speech. Uh, I watched Trump's SAS speech, uh, Turning Point in Tampa. I was there. And what I like about it was, was that he was old. He was 2016 Trump. And that's what he needs to do to win. He yep. needs to get back to what he was doing in 2016. As a matter of fact, before he was speaking, I said, I really hope 
he doesn't do the teleprompter thing. And when he got up there and he started speaking, he started going on, he said, oh, I love that I'm not using the teleprompter. This is my best speech, right? He said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So he said that and he knows it and he acknowledged it. So I like it when he says and acknowledges that because I don't want to hear Trump on the teleprompter. I want to hear Trump just going off and doing the things that made him special in 2016. All the advisors who tell him to read the teleprompter, those people need to go. And the people who just say, let Trump be Trump, those people, the ones who were there at the beginning, you know, the Bannons, the Stones, those people, they need to be back up telling him what to do because he was awesome. That was one of the best speeches I've ever heard was him at the SAS thing. He was good. He was funny. He was making the quips. And he went for two and a half. Think about it. He stood for two and a half hours and gave a speech. It was really long. But Joe Biden can't do that. Joe Biden can't even keep his eyes open uh, twice. Now exhibited by this whole, uh, we'll call it CGI gate. Yeah. uh, Which is honestly, I can't even believe it that, I can't believe it. I'm like, um, why isn't the news talking about it? Why isn't it wall to wall story? I don't don't get it. CGI gate. And now, a state exclusive. I like it. Well, it, it's pretty funny, Mike. You, you, you said no politicians will ever say some of the things that Donald Trump says when he's up there. I'm going to play one of them first off, and it's uh, it's about executing narcotics dealers. Ooh, Have like any it. problem. Like it. it doesn't take 15 years in court. It goes quickly, and you absolutely, you execute a drug dealer, and you'll save 500 lives because they kill, on average, 500 People, it's terrible to say, but you take a look at every country in this world that doesn't have a problem with. So, I mean, they cut people's hands off for shoplifting in some places. Twenty, we could probably go for some of that here too. Purge confirmed. <laughs> Mike, that's that's pretty comprehensive uh, legislative proposal right there. Uh, he was vague. He said drug dealers. God, I would be so good at purging. We, 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 yeah, I think a couple of us would be. We're, we're more in the in the belief system that it's probably talking about the narcos, who, yeah. he, who he wants to list as uh, yeah. international yeah. terrorists. But, you know, he does make a lot of sense. Years up in court, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of taxpayer dollars, and they learn nothing and, and, and serve society of no purpose. I, I tell you, I, I have long said that people like these, these drug smugglers, the coyotes, these people, we need to just shoot to kill at the border. And that's what everybody really thinks. People who the average rank and file people out there who are just, you know, trying to get by, they see illegal immigrants, they come into the country, then they go put up in some housing barracks, then they get flown to Westchester, New York, mm-hmm. then they get paid a stipend and they get Biden bucks and they get to live their life. They get Biden bucks, they get an Obama phone, they do all this stuff and they get to live this life awaiting their trial. It's like, fuck that. These people have no right to be here. We don't have to give them anything. So if they're trying to invade the country, they should be treated as such. What do you do to somebody invading on enemy lines? You shoot to kill. I don't understand why that's so controversial. You can't come in. We have no right to take you or let you over our border, period. And the dealers, the dealers, the ones who are doing it in the large scale, I think that's what Trump's talking about, not like the, you know, your neighborhood weed dealer in your suburb, right? (laughs) No, that was Joe Biden that wanted to do that. (laughs) Yeah. What the? That was but a 1994 hardcore, crime bill. The hardcore, yeah, exactly. This isn't uh, Clinton. The hardcore heavy dealers, uh, we know who they are, and they should be dealt with 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 force, uh, and we should take them out. Everyone thinks that, but the politicians in Washington who 
are, you know, obviously making money off of this kind of stuff. Well, they're catering to the criminals. Well, here's the thing. You know, uh, we talk about it. So Carrie Lake says there's an invasion on the southern border and she's going to build the wall, criminally prosecute and deport these people that are coming in, uh, you know, blow up drones, uh, nuke the tunnels with she doesn't care if there's people in them. Not nuke, but she's a racist. Blow up the tunnels. Right. But you know what I mean. She, she's a racist, and it's the worst thing ever. Now, if, if it's not an invasion and saying it is a, is racist, then why is Muriel Bowser mobilizing the National Guard to deal with the illegal immigrant population that's getting bussed there? Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked literally right now by a White House press pool reporter uh, just very that. The question was, what's the difference between Texas and Arizona busing migrants to Washington, D.C.? When the federal government's flying migrants to, let's just say, New York in the middle of the night. And the administration's answer was, it's very different because we're not using the migrants as political pawns. No, they're using them to destabilize communities, the workplace, the dollar, and schools, which is worse than using them as political pawns. But, uh, you know, you've seen Muriel Bowser and, uh, you know, the guy, Greg Adams in, in New York City, both going bitch on national television in the last two weeks about the migrants that are getting bus there. It seems like it's a problem when you don't want them there. Mike, what do you think? I, I, I don't understand. I guess this is the strategy because they all get on a call, all these Democrat leaders and yes, say, right, what are we going to say? Hey, right. It's all coordinated. And I think it's incredible that this is what they're going with. They're now complaining as if they're dealing with the situation. Oh, this is terrible. We have illegal. We have all these immigrants here and this is, you know, Eric Adams, mayor of New York, said, oh, this is messing up our uh, our homeless shelters and all this. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is this happening? This is happening because the people that you support and whip up your local supporters to vote for in a national election are literally bringing them in. Yep. So this is the Democrat strategy. It is rely on the low information voter who they have nothing but contempt for. Mm-hmm. Get them to vote for these policies. And then they put a Band-Aid over it because, again, the people at the top of the Democrat Party are not stupid, right? They're really not stupid. They're smart. Obviously, they're conniving and they're smart. So they say, all right, we're going to act like this is a problem. We're going to pound our chest about it. We're going to make it, you know, so so the people who are affected by this act like we're trying to do something, but they're not going to do anything about it. And then they're going to support somebody in 2024 who will continue on with this path. It is the... And if you say it, you're a racist, right? You're a racist if you say that they're trying to bust people in and resettle people to change the demographics so they vote a certain way. That's a fact um, that they want to put people in these big cities and swing states to help with the electorate. Why else would they do it, guys? Why else would they do it? So this is a Band-Aid on a problem that they know they're causing, and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. No, it's – And I've talked about that numerous times Mm -hmm. in the past too. It's like – you have all these people that are going to come in. They're un- a lot of them are going to be uneducated, unskilled. They're not going to be able to get like legitimate jobs. Their communities aren't going to assimilate assimilate into society. I don't know why I can never remember that word. But so now you're going to have these weird pockets of little societies that are susceptible to fear mongering. From all you have to do is just send your representative that is, you know, somebody that you've groomed from their society or their, their neighborhood or whatever. Elon Omar. Exactly. And they're going to basically say, Oh, you have to vote this way, or these people are going to kick you out of the country, or they're going to take away your welfare, your benefits, your free shit. And there you are. It's, it's, it's just basically just these malleable 
easy to manipulate communities that they they're just going to have in their back pocket when they need them. It hasn't worked out well for places like Minnesota four for sure, Yeesh. or all the no go zones they have in places like Paris and and the UK. Uh, we we want to get into this Donald Trump talking about the deconstruction of the administrative state. He touched on it in this speech. Uh, I'm going to play the audio for us right now. We need to make it much easier to fire rogue bureaucrats who are deliberately undermining democracy or at a minimum just want to keep their jobs. They want to hold on to their jobs. Yep. Congress should pass historic reforms empowering the president to ensure that any bureaucrat who is corrupt, incompetent or unnecessary for the job Oof. can be told. Nice. Did you ever hear this? You're fired. Nah, You're fired. <laughs> Have to do it. I like it. Deep state. Deep state. Got to blow it up. I'm down, especially if we have Trump call him individually and say, you're fired. That'd be great. <laughs> just just have a, a loop audio of it. So it's like you get the telecom. Or, or they send him like a, you know, 8 by 12 uh, autographed. That, that's perfect. <laughs> that says you're fired in the signature. No, you could have like press one for bargaining unit. Press two. For being fired. There you go. <laughs> Damn it. No, Mike, it's, it's definitely – so what we've heard or, or he started to tease is that he would executive orderly write that in day one to bring back the Schedule F that they had in for the last year and a half of the Trump administration and then propose legislation in the House that they would pass up through the Senate that would make it a permanent mainstay in uh, the federal workplace. I love that it's the letter F. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Fired. <laughs> it's perfect. We need it. Seriously, this is perfect. I think – in these bureaucracies, what do we think, guys? 30, 40% of the employees uh, have no function. Listen, I know More. people who, who work mm. in the federal government. Uh, and you I'm do? telling you, and I, I'm telling you, these people that are there, uh, a lot of them openly don't like Trump. You can go on social media and you can see that time oh, yeah. after time again. These people, and again, it's not the deep state is not a conspiracy. These are people who work for years and years and years in these institutions, and they have the a power unelected to undermine what the elected officials want to do. That's not right. So when you see that type of insubordination, the leader of the department, which is somebody who was nominated by the duly elected president, should be able to fire these people and clean house. That's the system, right? We didn't vote for the permanent Washington class. We vote for people who are going to put in members of the cabinet, who are going to run these agencies, and that's the will of the voter. But these people are so smug and so arrogant and have such little, have such little respect for our process, for our country. They don't care about the Constitution or yep. the way it's supposed to be. They want what they want, and that's it. But if Trump does this and he, and he, and he puts this into place, and I wish he would have done it day one of his first presidency, but I guess he was still trying to just figure out the ropes, this is incredible. This is how you ensure that we do everything we want to do that we didn't do in the first uh, Trump term because you wipe these people out, you get rid of the deep state, and we can make the country great and save it from the brink. And if we don't, if we don't, these people, Trump gets back in, will continue to chip away at, at what we have as a country. So this is like, I think, the most important thing that Trump could do. And think about how much money it'll save, guys. I mean, how much hundreds of millions of dollars we would save as a country, um, you know, by by uh, firing these people who are literally doing nothing but sucking up a paycheck and fucking up the country. And they are big paychecks. We've heard teasings that as on day one of the next Trump administration, as many as 10,000 people would be immediately fired. And to that extent, I mean, 
these people already have their golden parachutes sure. set up. So Schedule F is not going to affect their yeah. retirement. Just get them out of there. Like yeah. they're going to be fine. They're it's you're not going to like oh these ten thousand of these high level people are now on the street living in hopeless homeless shelters. No, they're going to be fucking fine. Yeah, we have a big fat government pension. And they'll probably go work at think tanks or write books about how mean Donald Trump is. He did talk about doing it again. That's one of our favorite things to talk about on the show. Let's hear him uh, tease that. I don't like to consider myself. I'm a politician, I guess. I ran for president. I won. And I won a second time. Did much better the second time. Did a lot better. Did a lot better. Very corrupt. I always say I ran the first time and I won. Then I ran a second time and I did much better. We got millions and millions more votes. And you know what? That's going to be a story for a long time. What a disgrace it was. But we may just have to do it again. We have to straighten out our country. We have to straighten out our country. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be daddy taking the belt off when he comes back. And then, and then he kind of wrapped it up with talking about you know, this being one of the strongest and biggest political movements of all time and, and how uh, we're in comeback mode. He's going to need it to be the strongest because like, just think of everything that they're going to stoop to to just ruin his chances of being able to run again. Like, they're going to, they're no holds barred. It's going to be absolute insanity. And then I would even venture to say as soon as he announces that he is running again, what, people are going to start rioting again? Like, I mean, who knows? Well, look at the DOJ this week proposed uh, doing investigations that could lead to possible indictments. The word possible indictment will be a phrase used all the way up until it's invaluable anymore. because until they it's know, not possible. Uh, yeah, until they – well, they know there's no indictments coming. If there was any possible indictments, we're nearly two years out from when he was, you know, booted out of office in the rigged and stolen election. We, there would be indictments already, uh, and, and it's just not going to happen. But let's hear about the comeback trails we wrap this segment. America's story is far from over, and in fact, we are just getting ready for an incredible comeback, mm. a comeback that we have no choice but to make. We don't have a choice. We won't have a country if we don't make it. Through strength, we will restore you know our safety. Through hard work, we will rebuild our prosperity. Through courage, we will reclaim our liberty. Through love, we will repair our unity. Through success, we will rediscover our pride. And through unyielding determination together, we will make America stronger, safer, freer, greater, and more glorious than ever before. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a great honor. Thank you. His voice was different tone in that one, yeah. Well, his voice was kicked. He did three two-hour speeches in less than 72 hours, including all those states he traveled to. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things we took away from the Trump rally last week, Mike, and I pointed out to Noah, man, he just stands there in the tripod and, like, guy's almost 80 years old. I don't think I could stand up there for that long without, like, having to lean on the podium or become uncomfortable. Yeah, my feet hurt. Like, he literally does, like, the feet together. Yep. Like together. hands on the podium, yeah. like it's the it is the tripod. Yep, and uh, yeah. very impressive for the uh, you know Cadillac body that he's got going on there. No, very very impressive, and worth noting that he's definitely. I mean, he's wearing uncomfortable shoes. I mean, he's. I mean, just saying, like you know, you stand all day. You're wearing like these like dress shoes. Like you know, again, he's he's an old guy, uh, and he's and he's just that incredible 
levels of stamina. And he never, not once, guys, has he ever needed his eyes superimposed on his body in the video. <laughs> I still can't get over that. <laughs> biggest scandal in the history of scandals. I mean, but, but it's going to go nowhere. No, of they're, course it won't. They're going to make up some bullshit to explain it. Like, well, you know, the president was sick from COVID and we tried to make well, him look youthful. The, the, well, they, yeah. they, they the president, even... you know, it, you know it, is, it is factual. You know, it is it is scientifically possible for a man not to blink. So he didn't blink. So this is a right-wing conspiracy theory that the man didn't blink for 30 minutes speaking. It's like, it's it, it, that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna put up some statistic about the human eye not needing to blink. So, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's going to be the next denial. I saw somebody put up. It was like side by side. It was him speaking. And then what's the um, African-American lady that she also doesn't blink? Oh, Ma- Maxine Waters. Yeah, Maxine Waters. I mean, she just looks like a character in that one. No, you know, uh, they'll go to no bounds of, of what they won't do to, to just absolutely destroy us. I saw today right before I jumped on, I, I had one of the images in my Instagram story, fact check. Oh, dude, they hit me a couple times, too. I, I don't know if you guys had heard this, but AOC was not put into a prison uniform and taking a picture <laughs> in front of the uh, the height scale last week when she, when she got detained by the Capitol Police. But apparently, if you shared that picture, it got fact-checked by USA Today. I got, I got fact-checked about a... Uh, it was an image of uh, basically news media. Uh, where was that? Oh, it, it was basically over Germany, mm-hmm. and it was like... 2017 versus 2022 and 2017 the map's all green and normal and it's got you know 26 20 30 oh, the 23 heat one, yeah. yeah and then you hear you look at 6 21 2022 it's actually cooler in most places and it's just a fucking red like looks like a oh. fucking hurricane map yeah so and i put you know 2017 versus 2022 the media lies to you or twist narratives to fit motives so i get fact checked <laughs> Missing context oh. by lead stories. Oh, great. Conclusion, missing context. Fact check. Two German weather maps do not prove climate change isn't real. <laughs> I was like, that's not even what I was saying. <laughs> you know, that's literally yeah. not what I was saying. Go, go f- oh. friend request, it, Alan it, Duke. It, it, it proves that climate change is fake and that this thing called the weather uh, is, is essentially the next great COVID hoax. But listen, they can change the maps with the same temperature and, and make us get whipped up about it. They did convince everybody that, you know, uh, uh, that you can catch COVID walking through the air. So you need to wear masks over your face and, and restrict your ability to breathe oxygen. So unfortunately, guys, I don't have much hope for society. I think they're going to look at the weather map with red and go, oh, my God, climate crisis. Oh, my goodness. It's so hot. You hear that? That's on the news. That's all they're saying lately. Yeah. Oh, climate crisis, climate crisis. Joe Biden causing heart issues. He tweeted. He tweeted. Oh, the um, the inflation. uh, What was it? He he did some bill, the recession. uh, What was it? The inflation bill? Yeah, it's build back better 2.0. What was that? That was the uh, yeah. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 would be the most su- significant legislation in history to tackle the everything, wait a minute, wait everything a minute, climate button. crisis yeah. and to improve our energy everything security. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Joe. Everything but inflation. Well, actually, no, causing more inflation, probably. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Joining us next on the show today is the America First Trump endorsed. U.S. House candidate who's running to represent Michigan 3 in the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, joining us again on the show, Mr. John Gibbs. Thanks for coming back on with us. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it. Sir, how's everything going with you? We're, we're into crunch time here, just a few days before the big midterm uh, primary election. And uh, 
you know, you've been out there absolutely crushing it. I'm, I'm going to tell you before we get into anything serious here. Well, it was pretty serious. That that steak sandwich you posted on your social media that you had the <laughs> other day, man, that thing looked delicious. Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, we got there. Um, that was actually the final stop on our tour of every single city and township in the congressional district. So we got to stop at a pretty good place there. And yeah, the sandwich was great. I didn't know what I was going to get beforehand, but I saw that on the menu. I said, man, I got to go for this. <laughs> Yeah, it looked amazing. And, uh, you know, what else has been amazing is is one of the things that has factored into some of the most successful campaigns that we've seen throughout the election season, and that's the massive ground game that you've had. Uh, you, you just told us about hitting up every township and county that you have in the district. And, uh, you know, we have seen people be more successful in their primary elections because they've actually gone out and, and gotten face-to-face with the constituents and the voters. And a lot of people who might not know who you are or what you stand for or what's really going on and, and why these things are affecting them and what you could do in turn once you're elected to help change them. And and then there you are talking to them face-to-face. I'm sure the, that experience has been pretty amazing. Why don't you tell our listenership about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's pretty fascinating. You know, my opponents who voted to impeach Trump, uh, has a lot of money, so he's spending his money on TV ads and radio ads and sending out really expensive mailers. Uh, he's probably blowing a 500 grand alone on his mailers. Uh, but those cannot substitute actually getting out there and meeting people. We've been hitting the streets so hard almost every single day, meeting our great voters all around the district. It really means a lot when you get to see someone face-to-face, talk to them, and then if there's a good impression there, that person can in turn go back and talk to their family and friends. And so it has a huge multiplying impact. So we just love talking to people, love uh, meeting with our voters, People are so upset over what Peter Meyer did, not only his impeachment vote, but his Second Amendment votes, his big spending, everything else, too. So, yeah, we find a great reaction. And, yes, it does mean so much to go out there and meet people. And it's one of the few things that doesn't cost a lot. You should just go out there and be with folks. Uh, so the consultants don't like it because they're not making a cut. But uh, <laughs> it is uh, great to be out there and meeting folks. So it's been, thankfully, very effective for us. We've got so many yard signs out everywhere we go. People are like, I see your signs everywhere. Uh, so that's a testament to our team's hard work. They've got a whole efficient system down of uh, keeping the yard signs stocked up at different places where people can pick them up and going to drop off some of the bigger ones, people, so we can put them up for them. So, yeah, we're very thankful that we've got a good ground game going, and I think it's going to produce really good results on Tuesday. And I think when you talk about results, you know, at the end of the day, you have already produced them, not only inside the Beltway, but uh, working under President Trump. And, you know, your platform is, is basically a mirror image of the evolution of what President Trump would essentially want to do in his second term, in addition to helping this country get back on track after the last 18 or so months, you know, under the Biden administration. And uh, it, it, it's a big attestment to you. You know, you've gone out there and you've done all the work and, and this is a critical race this is one of the you, you know u.s house races that has gotten national attention because of who your primary opponent is he's a never trumper he voted for impeachment he's voted for a whole bunch of these bills that are um, supporting america last policies and, and i think a lot of people in michigan right now who are getting crushed by the economy by the jobs market you know uh seeing stuff going on with their kids at school that you name it you know they're trying to bring pandemics back right now because they got nothing else really to to, to go on and and the you know, the House and Senate are looking to pass almost $2 trillion more in wasteful spending before they go on vacation this week. And uh, races like this are the ones that are going to make the difference uh, after November. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is going to be one of the most uh, heaviest finance uh, congressional races in the country. Um, first of all, uh, a lot of the pundits thought Peter Maury had this in the bag because yep. he's rich. But <laughs> in D.C., they are so disconnected with where regular people are at. They have absolutely no idea how mad people are. Uh, and there's no way Meyer was going to pull this off 
especially against our team, which has been working so hard. So all the polls show him as down. Every single poll that's been done by him or by the Democrats or by our team has showed Myers down big time. I think they see the writing on the wall. So uh, the, the general election in November, yeah, they are going to try to flip this seat. It's not going to work. Uh, for them to think that with the gas prices and inflation and total disaster in Ukraine and Afghanistan and CRT and all the stuff that they're trying to force on the kids in school and everything else, for them to think they could flip a seat in this environment is, is quite delusional, but let them try. They're just going to waste a lot of money and end up losing. So we think we have a great shot. Uh, God willing, if he uh, opens up the door for the primary next Tuesday, which I believe he will, we have a really great shot against the Democrat in November. So I think it's going to be a, a good year. Yeah, so do we. Now, John, why don't you give our listenership, especially the ones that are living up in Michigan right now, a little snapshot into what your weekend's going to look like heading into the election day on Tuesday, and then anything that we could do to help support you in, in these critical moments before people take their uh, ballots to go in and, and cast their vote. Sure. So we're having a, a great event that's being put on, uh, not by us, but by Turning Point USA mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, on uh, Saturday. That's tomorrow. Uh, folks can go to our website, uh, votejohngibbs.com, to find out the details of of that. But it's going to be a great event putting on by Turning Point. We're going to get a bunch of uh, supporters uh, gathered together, then they're going to go and uh, uh, knock doors all over the district. So it's going to be a really, really good time to go and uh, continue to get uh, get the word out uh, uh, Saturday so people can go out on Tuesday and, and make the right choice when they go vote. So, yeah, that's uh, 10 o'clock a.m. tomorrow. Uh, just tonight, actually, I believe it's at uh, 6.30 uh, up in uh, uh, Cascade, we're having a, a advance at uh, a great friend who's got a great ice cream shop up there. And again, that's on our website. If you go to votejohngibbs.com, you can find out the details. It's going to be a meet and greet. I'll just kind of uh, talk about myself and we'll have some Q&A and just hang out and have some great ice cream on a hot day here. So mm. uh, that's night uh, up uh, a little bit north uh, here in the, in the district. So that'll be a very good time. And overall, if folks want to check out what's happening, what's going on, they can go to votejohngibbs.com. Uh, you know, we are up against a billionaire, so uh, folks will give ten, twenty dollars. Uh, that would be a, a huge benefit to help us continue to get my name out there. We always meet people every day, a few people, not a whole lot, that haven't heard of me yet. And once they hear, they're very, very excited and are going to go vote for me. So we do want to get that last remaining minority of folks out there who have who uh, have not heard of me yet. So it does uh, take some some uh, resources to do that. Or folks can sign up for our prayer list. We do need prayer. We do have a prayer list and a prayer team. So folks can sign up to do that as well. And we have door knocking and a bunch of other stuff too. But votejohngibbs.com. People can go there to uh, see various information and uh, donate or sign up for one of our, our many activities we have going on. Yeah, we're going to live link those in the show description today, John, and we're going to, uh, of course, attach our social medias to that so people can get in contact with you over these next couple of days. We always encourage our listenership that, listen, these races, doesn't matter what, what state they're in or what seat they're running for, instead of donating to the GOP, to the RNC, and getting those little plastic cards, find candidates like yourself who really identify with the America First agenda, who worked directly with President Trump in his first administration and uh, is looking to go back and correct the course in Washington, D.C., contribute to them and uh you know help them get over the finish line like we're about to see next week up there in michigan absolutely i really appreciate that i think you really really uh, covered that well um yeah i think the contributions of folks have been very effective and helpful for us so uh yeah yeah it's uh good news i believe going into tuesday well, we wish you the best of luck and health and uh we of course will be looking to have you back on steak for breakfast after your big victory next week great thanks guys i'd love to do that absolutely this is the america first trump endorsed House candidate running to represent Michigan 3 next week, midterm elections. John Gibbs, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Take care. All right, coming in next on the show today, the special edition, Battleground, Steak for Breakfast. We have a uh, man who's running to represent Arizona 2 in the U.S. House of Representatives, newly Trump-endorsed, coming back with us again. Eli Crane, thanks for coming down. 
Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's our pleasure. We got to see you uh, from across the venue last Friday in Arizona. We attended the rally ourselves, and uh, it was great to hear that President Trump gave you the endorsement. Obviously well-deserved. you got a huge ground game. You've been out there doing tons of stuff in your district and uh, getting that America First message out there. How's the campaign trail been treating you? Yeah, you know, it's it's been good. I don't have much to compare it to because I'm a first-time candidate, but, uh, you know, it's been uh, great meeting so many amazing patriots here in Arizona too. Um, and, you know, I've just really enjoyed all the great people I've got a chance to meet. And, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, this next Tuesday. Yeah. Now you got a big weekend coming up right now. You're, you're at the end of barnstorming season and you're down to the wire. So what are some of the things that's going to be going on for your campaign over the course of the weekend as you get those, uh, voters in your district ready to head out to the ballot box? Yeah. You know, we're just going to be, uh, we're going to be on the phones a lot. You know, just uh, trying to use uh, the efficiency of technology, um, you know, to get, you know, get in touch with as many folks as we can. And, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the majority of our events, uh, our live events are uh, wrapped up. And, um, you know, like I said, this has been uh, an amazing experience. I think we're in a really good spot to be competitive. That Trump endorsement uh, last week was huge for us. We actually had Jim Jordan endorse us this week. Yep, nice. All of our all of our ads, our television ads, our radio ads, digital ads are running, and um, you know, it, I I think in this points points of time like this, um, you know, you uh, you just kind of trust the plan that you've laid out, and uh, and you just be patient, and yeah, I mean that's you know that's where we're at in this campaign, but it's been an honor for sure. No, I, I agree. And, and then, you know, one of the things you really have to take into consideration, I mean, you, you ran a hell of a campaign out there. We've been tracking you pretty well on the show, telling our listenership about stuff you've got going on. And, you know, to get to the Trump endorsement, he knows that you're not just talking about the America First issues. You're really out there touching base with uh, the people out there and, and addressing their concerns and what's going to happen uh, after the midterm elections. Now, what are the things right now that are really resonating with your base out there and some of the things that they're really hoping that you can take to the beltway and uh, make some changes on, well, after the primary and into the general election season? Well, honestly, I think the, the, the folks I talk to every day, they're just upset. And I'm, I think that... Uh, they just want real people that are authentic and uh, don't make them a bunch of promises that they don't feel like they can, uh, they can pull off. I think one of the reasons that I resonate with, you know, people in this district is because I don't look like a politician. I don't act like one. Don't talk like one. I own a manufacturing business uh, where we made our products right here in the USA. Um, and uh, I joined the Navy the week, week after nine 11 dropped yep. out of school to do it. So I, I think, you know, the, the people out here, they want, they want real fighters they are tired of lifelong career politicians. They're tired of rhinos. Um, and you know, they just want, um, authenticity, even if, you know, um, you, you, you might not look the part, like, even if you don't wear a suit every day and wear the little American flag, you know, pin, they want authenticity. And so I think that they're willing to, you know, look outside the box, um, a little bit more than, uh, probably in the past with a candidate like myself that has tattoos, um, doesn't have any experience in politics. Um, you know, and if I get an opportunity to represent the people here of the second congressional district, I'll be honored to do that. And I'll do everything I can to push back on the, these radical leftists that are destroying people's lives. And that's exactly what they're doing. 
it's insanity. These people are just, they're so sick and tired of opening their phones every morning when they wake up and watching them, you know, take us in the complete opposite direction yeah. uh, where we were headed a couple of years ago under, you know, President Donald Trump when their lives were better, um, their wallets had more money in them, their their kids felt more safe. Um, you know, we, we were closing this southern border and uh, yeah. And so I think that they see in me a fighter who actually gets that we're in a fight for the heart and soul of this country who, who doesn't just talk about it, but my life has reflected that type of sacrifice and service. And so I think that's why we're in a position, you know, coming up into these primaries, a very strong position. And at the end of the day, guys, if the people of Arizona CD2 don't choose me, that that's okay. I, I will respect their choice. But the one thing I wasn't okay with was sitting on my hands and complaining about it. Yeah. And that's what it's going to take nationwide. It's going to take men and women who are tired of it, who don't just talk about it or complain about it anymore. But, you know, as Steve Bannon says on War Room all the time, action, action, action. That's what it's going to take. And so that's what this campaign is about. People know it. They, they, they see it's not a talking point for me. And, you know, I think that's why we're going to do well. No, I think so as well. And, you know, when you look at what the, the left has tried to do to Arizona over the last decade to where they can convince people throughout the legacy media that it's a, not a red state, I think Donald Trump, the biggest thing that he did in regards to, you know, feeling what the people really want Arizona to be is, is go out and, and vet all of you guys. And from the top of the ticket all the way down to the bottom, uh, you know, you guys up there, you, Carrie, Blake, and uh, Mark, Abe, it, it, it's just that's what's going to start getting that state back on the right track. And that's, what's going to be well represented in Washington DC next year when you win that house seat there. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, this is a referendum on the bad job that's been done there. And, you know, if you just start looking at those poll numbers, it looks like these candidates are really resonating with what the people of Arizona want. I agree. I think we have a very strong ticket out here. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, you know, see the change that we're able to bring here. Um, the other thing I want to point out when, you know, for a long time, a lot of us were concerned that Arizona was, you know, turning purple or blue, but here's the bottom line, guys, our elections are a joke. They are a joke and everybody that's paying attention knows it. Yep. Okay. Everybody paying attention knows it. And, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take to wake people up to help them real help them realize that. I don't know if you need to go watch 2000 mules. I don't know if you need to go read the audit report, but I think that's the thing too. President Trump and others realize there's a lot of people that aren't willing to talk about how corruptible these elections really are and how we've been sleeping on it for a very long time. There's nothing, this shouldn't be a partisan issue. You know, I think that most of us, we, we would rather lose but lose knowing that these elections are fair and they're tight and that we can go back and audit them and look at them and, and not be called, you know, names for doing that. That should be, um, you know, that, that should be pretty standard. And uh, I think, I think that if we get these elections tight, I know the legislature wasn't able to get accomplished as many things as they wanted to, just because the, the margins are so thin out here in the, the house and the Senate, but there, there was some, you know, there was some uh, uh, there were there were some uh, things that we, we they got done. Yep. And I think that that's going to continue as our majorities grow. And I think once you see these elections get tighter and tighter, I think you're going to see a more accurate depiction of just how red Arizona still is. No, that, that, that's 100 percent the truth. You know, we saw I didn't uh, believe I didn't believe that Arizona wasn't red at all. 
Well, I don't think Ever. anyone that's got half a brain doesn't. But when you saw, while at the rally uh, last Friday, Eli, Donald Trump specifically gave homage to Dr. Kelly Ward and then uh, to uh, Wendy Rogers and all the hard work they're doing at the state legislative level to help make those elections uh, more fortified and better again. And then, obviously, after these midterms, we're going to see a lot of changes there. You know, I can only imagine the executive orders that Carrie Lake has ready to roll on day one. Oof. You know, Joe Biden's trying to get ahead of her, uh, you know, proposed legislation with regards to the border wall by authorizing parts of the border to be closed up in, in the Tucson sector. But guess what? Too little, too late. We're right at election time. And that's what I wanted to touch with you last, Eli. Now, heading into this weekend and next week, we still want to be able to direct our listenership, all the people listening in Arizona and nationwide that want to help continue to donate to your campaign. We know there's a long road ahead after the primaries. And, uh, any way we could be directed to you on social media or your campaign website, we're going to live link them in the show description today. Yeah, guys, it's it's real simple. It's Eli4Arizona.com. And I just want to say thank you to you guys for the show that you're, you're running. You guys are allowing candidates like myself to come get some airtime, you know, get get the message out. And uh, I, I appreciate it. And I've told people for a long time this this fight to you know, win back this country, it's going to, it's going to take place at so many different levels. Yeah. You guys are at the forefront of that, you know, just with, with media and people not being able to trust a lot of the mainstream media sources out there, they're looking for other alternatives. I know that this is a, a platform that a lot of people turn to, and I know you guys are at the forefront. So thank you for giving me the opportunity just to come on the show and, and for everybody else that gets an opportunity, just to come put their message out there so that the people can make whatever choice they want for their elected officials. So guys, thank you for, for, for the opportunity. Well, we appreciate that. We've done some good work here on Steak for Breakfast. It's, a, it's always a work in progress, not anywhere compared to the work you've done, sir. You've served this country to the highest degree. You made jobs uh, great in Arizona again, and now you're parlaying that into a, a run for the Congress. And, uh, after the midterm elections at some point, catch a little breather and we'll be having you back with a full update on what your uh, general election platform is going to look like. But uh, we'll live link everything you got in the show description today. And like I said, we'll be looking forward to having you back. This is the Trump endorsed America First candidate running to represent Arizona 2 next week. Midterm elections. Get out there and vote. Battleground state of Arizona. Eli Crane, thanks for coming on. Stay for breakfast. Thanks, guys. All right, joining us next on the show today, he was the 2020 strategic advisor and former special assistant to the 45th president of the United States. You see him quite often given that super hot commentary on Steve Bannon's war room. Boris Epstein, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Guys, it's my pleasure. You're total killers. Tip of the spear. I love coming on this, uh, on this program. I love coming on with you and then telling everybody I know to come on with you guys as well. So it's a pleasure and it's an honor. Nice. Well, we appreciate it. And we always love having you come on and join us to give us some of that extra commentary. Stuff that's going on. Right now, we saw over the course of the last week, well, last weekend, Donald Trump gave three huge speeches in three different states. He spoke at the Save America rally for uh, Kerry Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and now Eli Crane there. Traveled to uh, Tampa over the weekend to do the Turning Point USA SAS event and uh, wrapped it up with the America First Legal Institute uh, speech he gave on Monday. Different tone. Uh, we see the president start to switching gears, maybe getting a little bit more policy-driven as he heads into post-primary election season time and, and heading towards the generals, maybe what these candidates are going to be doing to get this country back on the right track. Based on all the things you saw going on with the president over the course of that 72-hour period, what's, what are you taking away from it, Boris? Here's what's going on. President Trump continues to be the strongest, most powerful political figure in America and in the world, Okay. His endorsement is the most powerful endorsement. His message is the most powerful message. And you've seen that message all across the country. And it couldn't be more exciting to, see, to, to witness 
how strong and how much stronger by the day MAGA is becoming. As I say, MAGA is ascendant. Yeah. MAGA is ascendant, and we continue to win, win, win. And President Trump, you're uh, from blowing it out of the water completely in Arizona to the uh, you know complete powerhouse speech at SAS for Turning Point USA in Tampa. In Tampa, and by the way, that's Ron DeSantis's home turf. And yeah. as I've said repeatedly, and Steve Bannon has said, and others. Governor Zen has done a good job. There's no doubt about it. But right now, we've got serious, grave problems in this country. And we need the broadest shoulders in American history to handle those problems. And that is President Donald J. Trump. And you saw it in the result in the uh, in the poll there at SAS. President Trump effectively at 80 percent and the Ron next at 20. So President, uh, you know, you know, four times, four X and uh, and up by 60, uh, 60 points. So there's no doubt where MAGA is, no doubt that President Trump is the refutable leader of the country, of the Republican movement, and of the MAGA movement. And you, and then the the policy speech, the robust policy speech on on Tuesday in Washington, D.C., President Trump's first time back, and as I said, a little jealous of him only having to come to D.C. once every 18 months, first time back in the swamp, he dominated, absolutely dominated, and said some vital key things that are very hard to say in a lot of ways, but he said them, he said, he said what needed to be put out there, and he is continuing to lead our country while there's a total vacuum of leadership from feckless, sad Democrats, including Joe Biden. Yeah, the, these people that are up on Capitol Hill right now, we've seen so many things happen over the course of just the last week there, Boris. Obviously, you know, another $40 billion appropriated to Ukraine for going into the black hole and vacuum that is the new endless war that our government's helped fundraising for. And in addition to that, we're going to see over $2 trillion in wasteful spending uh, coming via the uh, Build Back Better 2.0 and CHIP Acts that are probably going to get passed. And it just seems like they know that he's coming, the hit pieces, the, oh, possible indictments that are never going to happen, like continuing to do the whole January 6th narrative, which is completely fake and fraudulent, just like, you know, the results of the 2020 presidential election. They're going to continue to do this stuff because they know he's coming like a freight train, and there's literally not even people that they try to prop up as competition like Ron DeSantis. Nothing can stop Donald Trump if he wants to be the president of the United States again. You're totally right. And you know why? Because the American people are with President Trump. The American people see the stark contrast of the power, strength of our country under President Trump's leadership and the weakness now of everything from gas prices to the border to to baby formula to inflation. And now we've got this recession that Joe Biden and his and his team are lying to us and trying to tell us that that somehow there's not a recession. We all know there is. We all know that, that two, two quarters of negative GDP growth means a recession. But the Democrats continue to treat the American people as if we're stupid and trying to lie to us. But we are not stupid. The American people are educated. They're on, they're on the ball. And they continue to see through the decrepit fecklessness of the Democrats. And they cannot wait for President Trump's leadership to be back. I agree with you there. And, you know, the one thing, the middle class on both sides of the aisle are feeling it in, in every way, shape and form since the Biden regime took over. And I think that's why we're seeing so many walkaways in this midterm election season and so many independents in, in record numbers, Hispanics uh, bailing away from the Democrat Party for sometimes the first time ever, which is what I want to shift gears and touch on next. Now, just on the show today, Blake Masters, Eli Crane, John Gibbs, Joe Kent are all joining us. In addition to that, we've had a lot of the ones, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, uh, Carrie Lake, of course, several times on the show with us lately. 
lately. Governor Greitens out in Missouri. We've got some huge races. It's the back third of the midterm election season coming up here next week. And uh, major races across the country. We know no one breaks it down any less hot than you do, Boris. What can you tell us going into this uh, weekend, what, we're, what we should be seeing at the ballot box next week? So in Arizona, the polling is clear that uh, that it's Blake and Lake, Lake and Blake. Yep. You know, President President Trump's endorsees are the ones who are going to win in Arizona. There's no doubt about it. They're going to dominate. Just saw some latest polling just about an hour ago or so. So there's going to be major major wins in in Arizona. You know, Blake Masters is a is a top of the heap MAGA candidate. Terry Lake. Right there, also top of the heap, and Arizona continues to be the the tip of the spear for MAGA. We're, you know, you've got uh, Michigan there. That's a very good, tough fought primary for governor. Tudor Dixon seems like she's eking it out. President yeah. Trump just put a post of the truth about her this morning, and then in Missouri, you know, I'm with my guy uh, Eric Greitens, and it looks like you know that's coming down to the wire. That's going to be a tough primary, but it does seem like you know Greitens got a very, very, very strong chance there against against some of the other candidates who, uh, you know, who have not been consistently MAGA or even close to it as Governor Greitens has been. Yeah, he, he's one of our favorite guests, and, and he comes on with us at least twice a month. We love having the governor on. We tried to get him on today, but they're on the road and doing the things that he does to, uh, you know, have one of the most comprehensive ground games in, in, in all of the midterm elections. So we're going to continue to follow him and track him and wish him the best heading into the uh, ballot box next week. Boris, the last thing I wanted to touch with you on, I think it's pretty important. Now, we knew when, when the Trump administration was last in, in, in the White House, one of the biggest problems they ran into, besides the Paul Ryans and all of the former uh, candidate staffers that, that made up part of the first administration there, it was the administrative state. It's the unfireable career appointees who know, you know, if they can just slow things down enough in four or eight years, those policies will be gone and they could slow down the next parties. Now, Donald Trump has uh, teased some things about holding all of these th thousands, maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of government officials who aren't America first and definitely don't do anything MAGA uh, accountable all the way up through firing in a future Trump administration. Now, based on that and, and the Supreme Court ruling that is going to make it a lot harder for places like the EPA to put all these red tapes and, and regulations in there, how comprehensive is it to really be able to hold the actual government workers who don't allow presidents who win the elections fairly to go in there and get their agendas across, you know, but accountable and, and, and maybe removed from government. There's been some very, very interesting information uh, and some vital, vital moves made, uh, you know, by the Supreme Court in terms of the EPA. Yep. And, and then, you know, what we've learned and known about President Trump's st strong action to take out the not just the Democrats, but the rhinos in the in the political appointed class and in the career class of the government. So and, and you know, these uh, discussions seem very complicated. A lot of times, you know, a lot of heavy language is used, but it boils down to something very simple. Drain the swamp. And that's what President Trump was all about. He's all about draining the swamp. And now, you know, you had the experience of the first uh, of the first term. Now it's on to the experience of the second term. And to make sure that the people, the president, that hey, as we hope and expect, President Trump runs. That that if, as again, as we hope and expect, he runs, and then when he wins and walks into the Oval Office latest on January 20, 20, uh, 25, he's surrounded by all the right people. He's surrounded by MAGA patriots, MAGA champions, 
both appointed and elected to Congress and the Senate. That's what we've got to be fighting for. That's what our focus has to be. We cannot let up even an inch in ensuring that, you know, the swamp can't rise up and try and defeat any of President Trump's policies as he drives them forward. It, you know, in, uh, in in what we like to call his third term, because as I believe he's the 45th, 46th, and 47th president of the United States because the 2020 election was rigged and stolen. By the way, President Trump continues to be on the offense uh, and sending a robust, robust uh, revocation demand letter to CNN and uh, and with a lawsuit to follow uh, over their continued wrongful branding of him and defaming of him and saying, oh, somehow this is the big lie. The only big lie is that Joe Biden is the is the legitimate president. We know he's illegitimate. Yeah, no, you make a lot of excellent points there. And I think it's in such a heading into such. Well, a, that's what I do best, my man. That's what uh, I do best. That, that, okay? is, that is your job. But but I mean, heading into such a consequential weekend for Trump endorsements right now. Now we could really start to line up the chessboard legitimately after this weekend and say, even though there's a couple more midterms down the road a little bit, we kind of see where those pieces are going to fall. This is a huge weekend for everything MAGA. And I think after this weekend, the uh, the mainstream media who has been pushing back really hard on President Trump right now, trying to delegitimize the base and maybe discourage them from going out and voting, they're going to have those numbers lined up and they're going to know how much of a red wave may be incoming this, uh, this coming November. Boris, we always love sitting down with you. We know in a week like this you're super busy always anyways and uh you took some time to come and give our listenership a little bit of what's going on in your world and besides following you uh you know hearing you on war room several times a week where where's all the other places our listenership can follow you well first of all guys it's such an honor to be here and also to your audience which is growing by leaps and bounds i want to thank all of them i want to thank the state for breakfast posse okay which a lot of overlap there with the war room posse my people the maga movement under the leadership of president donald j trump and i want to make sure that we're all energized we're enthusiastic and we're hitting on every possible cylinder going into the primaries this coming Tuesday and then going to the primaries next Tuesday, August 9th and beyond. We've got to stay on the ball. We've got to stay vigilant. We've got to stay fighting. You can find me on my website, BorisCP.com. Sign up there right now. I'm hot on the website, hot on Getter at BorisCP, on Twitter at BorisCP, hot on Truth Social at Boris, and of course, the hottest on the gram ever on Boris underscore Epstein. Gentlemen, stay strong. And God bless to you, your families, and your audience. We appreciate you, Boris. He came in super hot today on Steak for Breakfast. Boris That's Ep- what I do. <laughs> Boris Epstein, thanks for coming back with us today. You got it. Thank you, guys. All right. Joining us next on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First senatorial candidate in the battleground state of Arizona. Coming back on with us for a quick update, Mr. Blake Masters. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Always good to chat with you guys. Thank you. It was great to see you last weekend let's start there so we made the trip out to arizona and experienced uh the trump rally there it was an amazing packed venue you gave probably and we've tracked you since day one blake we've had you on the show several times one of your best and strongest stump speeches that i've heard uh we all know and we've always you know circling back with our listenership as you continue to make the rounds on, on some of the most comprehensive policies and regarding immigration crime uh spending and stuff like that but to see you all deliver it in person was an amazing experience. Why don't you tell our listenership a little bit, how was it being up on the stage with the big guy and uh, being in front of a crowd that big with Donald Trump? Oh, it's pretty cool. I mean, as you can imagine, it's kind of surreal. I'd gone to, to Trump rallies before, but, you know, as a as a spectator, as a participant, and that's always uh, a privilege. You know, these things are more like rock and roll concerts than uh, – than traditional political events. But then, you know, to have that moment, you know, six or seven minutes uh, giving a speech and um, and really just, you know, rallying the crowd. And I like to think I warmed him up for for President (laughs) Trump 
but it was just, it's just an honor and a, and a pleasure. And it's just fun to be surrounded by that kind of energy and that patriotism. Right. And everybody on the one hand is really terrified about what's happening to our country, yeah. but everybody's really coming together and motivated because like, man, it's not too late. We can fix it. Uh, and so it's great. And then of course, president Trump called me up on stage, uh, for one or two minute, yep. um, uh, interruption to his speech. And I got to, to speak and thank him for, for what he's done for this country. And, um, I don't know. It's a real honor. I'll never forget it. No, and we won't either. We thought it was a great speech. We noticed uh, it was kind of weird. You saw like a 2015, 2016 vibish Donald Trump just a week before in Alaska. He was tapping some of those old veins. And then I noticed from someone who, you know, as part of our job here on the show, covers extensively all the Trump rallies and everything that's going on with him, uh, uh, like a changing of the tone. And I... It was after the weekend was over and he had went from Arizona to Turning Point and then over to the speech he gave at the America First Policy Institute that I noticed that he was kind of switching gears and moving into more of a campaign-driven and policy-driven tone. And I thought it was some of his really good work that, that he got different messages apart, and, and it was great to hear him kind of talking that way. Now, you said rock and roll concert. You guys got one coming up yourself there in Arizona on the first with two of our great friends from the show, Cash Patel and, and Ambassador Rick Rennell are going to be joining you and what looks like pretty much the whole Arizona ticket there. That's right. In fact, we've got one uh, Sunday afternoon in Tucson and then one um, Monday night, August 1st in, in Phoenix. Um, so we've got two of these events and man, they're going to be fun. You know, not maybe Trump rally big, but you know, we'll get a couple hundred people, if not more than a thousand, uh, I'll put out details on my social media. So if you're in Tucson or Phoenix Saturday and, uh, or Sunday and Monday, come on out. It's going to be a party. Nice. Yeah. We're, we're going to be sharing that for you as well. And, uh, well, I don't know, maybe not as big as a Trump rally, but the way all of the, uh, America first Patriots follow Cash Patel and Rick Grinnell around, you're going to be surprised how many people showed up. They, uh, packed the house for Adam Lexalt's campaign. Uh, last month, and, and we're hoping to see more of the same, especially when you guys are going to have like Fincham and Abe, Carrie, and a couple other people all there with you. It's going to be a good time. I wish we could go. Back and ticket. Calling in sick again. Like I tell you, that's probably the most important thing. Like, this is one of the biggest under the microscope uh, tickets in the country. It's it's the most endorsed ticket by Donald Trump when you look top to bottom. And, uh, you know, he's just started to endorse some House candidates. We'll probably see some more after the primaries as well. Uh, but we're going to have Eli Crane on on with us today and uh you know it's it's one of those things we've seen a lot of money funneled into uh those races against you and and like carrie really bad from not only uh the radical progressive left but the establishment republicans in washington dc who don't want you guys to come in there and change so how has it been going through the motions of, of all of that and, and and what are you doing now in the final stretch right here to make sure that's not really a factor that you even care about heading to uh election day yeah, well, it's it's just kind of crazy, right? Like I knew that the left would attack me, and you know everybody knows that things aren't working. Um, even the Democrats know it. That's why they're kind of just stuck lying, right? The New York Times, the Washington Post, yeah, they tell lies about me. Uh, we expected that. A little bit um, more surprising to to hear those same lies, to hear those same attacks, just echoed by you know one of my very wealthy Republican primary opponents. Yep. Um, and I think that's just an establishment tactic. You know, you're seeing this in, in other races in the state, too. And uh, I think it just doesn't work. You know, money is very important. Money is important in politics. And the, what, what's also, though, important and what's more important is grassroots. Right. You've got to have enough money to get your message out. Absolutely. But but money is only a magnifier. And if you just spend it attacking somebody, you're not giving a reason to vote for you. And I think that's what my opponent. Uh, in this race, Layman has he's made that mistake. Um, 
I've been laser focused working with grassroots, working to get my message out, focused on the issues that matter to Arizona. It's focused on Mark Kelly's failures. Yeah. I think that's why I'm getting traction in the race. So I think I'm in first place. I think, you know, uh, that's great. But, man, I'm acting like the underdog. I am acting like we're in last place. We're going to sprint through the tape. I'm doing more media interviews, more grassroots events. And we'll be doing that all the way through uh, what's hopefully a, a great victory here in the primary on Tuesday. Yeah, we saw just one of those polls come out today that show you have a pretty solid lead, but I'll be the first one to agree with you. Uh, when it comes to races like yours in Cary Lake, you guys have ran your races like you've been down double digits the entire time. Like as far as like grassroots go, FaceTime goes, interviews goes, you're not scared to go on any show on any platform and come out and just be like, you know, when people try to challenge you or, or skew the narrative of what the message really is and, and you have to really correct them and be like, no, this is actually what we're doing. And because it's for the concerns of the people of Arizona. These are things that are greatly affecting the country right now. And uh, whether, you know, the legacy media wants to pick up on these things or not, which they aren't, uh, these are the things that we feel are going to get you over the finish line, not only next week, but again in November. That's right. You know, I just believe in speaking from the heart about the issues that matter. And come what may, you know, uh, when you when you do that, you know, maybe you'll give people a few poorly phrased lines that they'll turn into attack ads. But yeah. what's the alternative? To clam up? To not like get out and talk to voters to 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 speak only in consultant provided bullet points like no thank you, you know we'll take the risk and I think every hit piece every attack ad uh, that that my enemies have run against me only just kind of makes me stronger. No, we certainly do, Blake. Last thing we want to be able to ask you like between now, which is Friday and Tuesday, when everyone's going to be going to uh, cast their ballots in Arizona, what can our listenership, especially our Arizona listeners, do most importantly to help you out get over the finish line? Tell your friends, you know, I'm honored for each and every vote. Uh, when someone tells me, Blake, you have my vote, it's like, man, those are the golden words. It's just such an honor. And then, you know, I say, hey, fantastic. You, you want to help even more? Go get 10 more, right? This is how it works. It's grassroots. If I'm your guy, if I've earned your trust, uh, go tell people why. And that's how we crush it on Tuesday. That's how we crush it on November 8th. Yeah, that's how you've been crushing it the entire campaign season. Social medias and uh, website? Yep, I'm on Twitter until they kick me off. BG Masters. I'm at Blake on Truth Social. I got the good handle there. Sure did. And my website is very simple, blakemasters.com. Easy enough. We'll live link those in the show description today. And, sir, it's been our pleasure covering you up to the primary now. I can only assume that we'll be circling back at some point after your big victory next week. Sure hope so. Looking forward to it. The America First Trump endorsed senatorial candidate, great state of Arizona, Blake Masters. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Take care. Well, we're in a recession. However, no. the, uh, the Biden administration won't tell you that we are. Uh, I don't know if you saw on the Wikipedia pages, the, the definition and narrative for the word recession has been edited 37 times in the last three days. I think it was up in the 40s now, uh, the last I saw. Yeah, you, you know. Is, is it people, like, fighting back and trying to put it back the way it was? Like, I, I don't even know how Wikipedia works. I know people can edit it, but. Janet Yellen's denied it, and Brian Deese was brought to the uh, – White House press pool yesterday to well, deny it as well. Let's hear him. So I just want to make a final note um, hmm. on the uh, the definition of recession, which has been an issue that I know many of you have uh, reported on. Um, as Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. Not. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. It isn't? Uh, there is an organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, and what they do is they look at a broad range of data and deciding 
uh, whether or not a recession has occurred. Where their grants come from. That is yeah. the process that economists and administrations have used for uh, years and decades uh, to identify when a recession uh, has occurred. Mike, have you ever heard a bigger load of bullshit than that right there? Yeah, you literally so have audio clips of everyone saying everyone everyone on the media. Like you can literally find somebody right now who's saying that we're not in a recession and that two negative quarters doesn't equal a recession. Give them a couple years back and they were literally saying that it did. So basically, if a bureaucrat tells you it's a recession, that's the new definition of a recession, not like numbers and data and quarter. Like now it's whatever the Biden administration tells you it is. I think that's what that guy just said. Yes. And I think it's incredible that we're fighting over the definition, but nobody is is talking about actually, I don't know, improving the economy or doing better. Well, we're not technically in the recession, but it just goes to show you that that these people will pay lip service. They'll do this. I think they want it to happen. They want to tank the economy. What would you do differently if you were not trying to intentionally do it? Not much. And they're doing they're playing the game. They're running the clock. They're punting. Oh, well, this isn't really a recession, right? Uh, this isn't really, you know, trying to take away our second amendment second amendment rights. This isn't really, you know, uh, a, a lockdown. So this is what they do. And uh, this is more of it. So, you know, they're they're gonna fight over the definition until it's too late and we're past the point of no return. Yeah, I mean, listen, you could say Quarters, percentages, the black and white is recessions. The GDP is down 3% in the last two quarters. That is astronomical. When you just look at the cost of everything and the value of the dollar compared to now, the numbers that we're seeing aren't the worst in 40 years. They're the worst in the history of this country when you look at it reflectively against what the economy looks like today compared to like when it did 40 years ago or after World War II. And, you know, this is like a, a, a huge perfect storm swarming where we have like the jobs market is non-existent unemployment is through the roof we've just authorized two trillion more dollars in spending and an extra 40 billion dollars for ukraine um and then you add these numbers in there and the housing market is tanking Mm. It, it is a recipe for disaster that's going to take a decade to get out of if we can stop it soon enough. And it just seems like this administration won't take their foot off the gas. Peter Ducey and uh, KGP got into it yesterday, and he wanted to know well, the Biden administration make it sound like everything is great. And if that's not really the case, then what's the deal here? We are today. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession? No, we're not redefining recession. Mm. If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, no, 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 that's not what a recession is. It's something else. How is that not redefining recession? Because that's not the definition. That is not the definition. Brian Deese said in 2008, of course, economists have a technical definition, which is of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I can tell you this. And yesterday said two two negative quarters of GDP growth is not the technical definition of a recession. It is not. It is not. Why did he say that it It was? It is not. I can I can speak to I can speak to you to what he said yesterday in front of all of you, which is the last thing that you just repeated. There are many factors. Mm. There are many factors, economic factors and indicators to consider. Uh, And I will say that uh, uh, the textbook definition of recession is not is not two negative quarters of GDP. We have a strong labor market. Sounds like she works Ah. for lead stories. Mike, can you believe that load of crap right there? 
We we oh so we have a strong labor market. Guys, we have a strong labor market. Mm. Uh, how's the labor market looking? Do we have good? Do we have good gas prices? Gas gas prices looking? Oh, that's really bad. Do we have inflation? Do we have inflation? Oh yeah, everything's up 40 percent. Uh, how's the stock market doing? Uh, not so good. So what would be the the uh, outlying uh, uh, consequence that would actually equal a recession? Oh wait wait wait. It's if Joe Biden and the Ministry of Truth and Jean Pierre, whatever the Jean Pierre, if she says it's a recession. So this is like uh, third world stuff. They like to bash on Putin, but they love to take pages out of the authoritarian playbook. It is what we say it is, not what it actually is. So, you know, it's just more of the same. This is what these people do. Um, They always say that the other side is exactly what they are. So they call us authoritarians and fascists and this is that and this and that. Yet they censor anybody online who speaks about the truth. And then they get up there and bold face lie. And might I say it one more time, literally superimpose eyes on the president. I still can't get over that, guys. That is like I, I just will not stop about that until we get answers. And it's in prime time. But will they put it on Fox News tonight? Probably not. No. No, and I saw Greg Kelly did like a five-minute piece on it, and uh, he played the side-by-side of the two speeches he gave that day, and he's just like, nobody's like, look at them. Yeah, how, how do you not notice that? Like, all I had to do was just like take two fingers and zoom in, and like, that's weird. His forehead's like, his forehead wrinkles are not lining up properly. Are going and, behind the CGI box. Yeah, so, and, so, they're, so they're not going to be honest about the president's eyeballs. You think they're going to be honest about a recession? Uh, and the destruction of the economy uh, and their and their absolute no chance of doing it, drilling for American oil, which would help the situation or yeah. doing anything like, I don't know, maybe not sending billions of dollars to the Ukraine. Like it just it just is so bad and so terrible. But this is what happens when you steal an election. We should have known it was coming when that happened, that the consequences would be so, so bad and here you go. Yeah, you know, I, I've been looking in on the on the White House press conference today to see if anyone was going to ask about the eyes. If it doesn't get through today's cycle, what I'm hoping is... Oh, you'll get fucking ejected immediately well, if you no, bring up anything. We've been having those House, uh, you know, committees going on right now, and I'm hoping at some point someone brings out two huge posters of Joe Biden and asks, like, literally what the fuck is going on here. Or, or somebody brings out, like, a photo of Joe Biden and then puts those really big, googly like, eyes. craft googly eyes yeah. on it and, like, shakes it around. Like, come on, Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, one of you guys, Dan Bishop, Chip yeah. Roy, you guys are absolute chads. Just, just do it. Yeah. You guys have already you guys have already asked like who pushes the button to mute his microphone. Like this is like the next step to that. So Joe Biden likes to lean on the experts both literally and metaphorically because he can't stand up for very long. And and yesterday he touched on uh the possible possibility of a recession. Speak to one other issue. Let me speak to one other issue. The GDP and whether or not there we are in a recession. Both Chairman Powell and many of the uh, um, uh, significant uh, experts, banking personnel, uh, and economists uh, say we're not in a recession. Mm-hmm. My favorite is when he, he, whatever he was like talking about, and he was quoting a bunch of shit, and that doesn't sound like a recession to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut the fuck up. Or when somebody asks him a question that's like a minute long question, he's just like, no, no. <laughs> that was my favorite. Yeah. Oh, Joe Biden, 80 percent of the people don't want you to run for president again. Oh, no, that's not what the poll says. They don't want me to run literally as Chuck Schumer and everybody else 
uh, in the Senate and the House will not answer the question if they want Joe Biden to run again. Yet 80 percent of the Democrats want him to run. It's like this is really bad. This yeah. is like really bad. And really, you know, bouncing back a couple clips when she was refuting, you know, the Peter. Yeah. When she was refuting the fact that we're in a recession and she's quoting off all these things, like really the only one that they could potentially get any traction on is the jobs. And that's solely because you've allowed people to work again. That's yeah. the only reason that number would bounce back. Right, we were... And that's the only one that she could realistically say, well, we've had a, you know, a number of jobs has improved and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, because you were fucking people over before. Yeah, I mean, when you shutter 11 million jobs and you allow 6 million people to go back who didn't lose their business or because they're hiring less people now at higher wages to go back to work and then call it a victory. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, you did create 6 million jobs. It's because you took them away in the first place. Joe Biden did take what some would consider a minor victory lap on the ridiculous spending that's been going on up on Capitol Hill this week. We've outlined a couple times in our show already. Uh, you know, the bottom line is out of those $2 trillion in spending between the two bills, the, the CHIP Act and Build Back Better 2.0, the U.S. taxpayers and especially the middle class are going to see $600 billion in tax hikes. But uh, we'll hear Joe Biden lie about it and how it's not going to happen would be the most significant legislation in history to tackle the climate crisis and improve our energy security right away. Now, give us a tool to meet the climate goals that are set that we've agreed to by cutting emissions and accelerating clean energy, a huge step forward. Fourth, this bill requires the largest corporations to begin to begin to pay toward their fair share in taxes. By putting in place a 15% corporate minimum tax. Now, I know you've never heard me say this before. It will come as a shock to you. But 55 of the Fortune 500 companies paid no federal income tax in 2020. I know you only heard me say that about 10,000 times. But the fact is they paid no taxes on an income, collective income, over $40 billion. Well, guess what? This bill ends that. It's because they're going to have to pay a minimum of no, 15% tax on that $40 billion or whatever the number turns out to be. Fifth, this package will reduce the federal deficit by over $300 billion. Already on my watch, deficits come down my first year by $350 billion and a record $1.7 trillion. They must have put a the question mark on the teleprompter. <laughs> now, that, this bill is going to keep that progress going. Yes, I'll say it again. This legislation will bring down the deficit. Bring down the deficit. The sixth point I want to make okay. is this bill will not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. And I promise, a promise I made during the campaign and one which that, I have, one that I've kept. Now, look, I know it can be sometimes seem like nothing gets done in Washington. <laughs> I know it never crossed any of your minds, but no, oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> you know, he's so funny. <laughs> over the course of uh, a decade, we're looking at ten trillion dollars in spending, with the possibility of bringing in half a trillion dollars of revenue in regards to those green policies that are being implemented that just don't fit into uh, you know society today. We're already seeing what happens when you completely decimate the natural gas and, and fossil fuel sector and not only the price of the pump, but all the workers who are out of work. And then, you know, you have to go grift to the rest of the world begging for money. But uh, it's one of those things where, you know, 
this is bad. And if it gets through the Senate and over to Joe Biden's desk, then, you know, we could only point out the fact of how much more important these midterm elections are than, than we already are, you know, informing all of you guys that they need to be. And uh, we got, we got to get fresh bodies in there. It's like the ones who, I mean, at the end of the day, like any of these things that the government passes, they don't affect these people that currently work in Washington, D.C. They're such a small group. The Freedom Caucus is for one, maybe like two to three, four senators at the most. And then everybody else, it's like, they're also rich and been in Washington, D.C. for long. They don't give a fuck what gets passed. It doesn't yeah. affect them. It just doesn't they're, affect them. They're serving their, when they talk about this 15% tax, uh, they're serving their corporate masters. What they want to do is, is they want to take small businesses and crush them, right? They want to crush small businesses. They want to get medium-sized businesses not to grow to a scale where they can compete. Yep. It's going to move out of the country. They're going to just – everything is about hollowing out America, right? Making it harder for businesses to hire workers. You got to go to the big company. What happens when you're at the big company? You got to adhere to the corporate policy. Otherwise, you're going to get fired. So it's don't post this on social media. Don't say that. Don't say this. We're going to pay you your shitty wage, and you can't go anywhere else or do anything about it. This is in hollowing out the country whenever he says that. So you don't think that the people pulling Joe Biden's strings, uh, the big corporations and the wool corporations, that they're telling him to say this kind of stuff? It, it, it really is sinister. I mean, they're, they're trying to hollow out the country uh, and make it worse and unrecognizable. And people fall for it, though, unfortunately. You know, I think that when you look at the poll and you got like Joe Biden still having 35 percent support or whatever he has, it's like, who are these people? You know, it's just really, really bad. Every time you play these clips, it makes me get worried. Uh, and Republicans better step up and do something about it. But unfortunately, most of them won't. That's the problem. Yeah. When you say pulling strings, I'm actually kind of starting to believe there are strings. Or duct tapes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, round and third now and heading home, we're in our last segment. So Hunter Biden keeps coming back into the news cycle every couple weeks because people up on Capitol Hill are, are making it, you know, uh, a focus of the forefront of some of the stuff that's going on. Now, I personally believe, I, I think I'm in the minority here when I talk about this because you guys are both, you know, I, I know Noah's really hyped on, on that guy going to jail at some point. I really think this is like an 8 through 12 item once the House and Senate flips. Uh, for as much as it's bad, I just don't ever see anything happen to him, you know, him or his father in regards to this. I think Joe Biden's already committed some pretty impeachable acts when you talk about the stuff that's gone on in Afghanistan and the, the U.S. southern border crisis. But in regards to all these bad dealings, I mean, technically, everybody knows it. Everybody's seen the laptop, thanks to Vish Burra and Matt Gates. But, you know, Joe Biden was vetted and put through everything to run for president. So even though there was probably a lot of shady shit going on behind the scenes, I'm sure there's like proxy bank accounts, proxy offshore accounts, everything that does, like it'll get connected to him right to like where you're at one and zeros, Joe Biden. And there's going to be a little space. And there. I wonder how much of that stuff is virtually untraceable too. Right. Like, I mean, there's gotta be certain, you know, facets of it that, we're just not going to find. I mean, unless you get like the real transcripts, the real phone calls, real emails that have Joe Biden tied directly into it, and he's yes or knowing it, then they're just going after Hunter Biden as a private citizen. And at the end of the day, what are they going to do? Get him on some like uh, Al Capone like Rico statutes and and confirm the fact that he's probably the biggest scumbag that ever walked this earth. Uh, besides that, you're not really going to see anything else. You could but put him in jail for five years for nothing bigger than this quarter. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Um, Ted Cruz jumped on with Jesse Waters yesterday. They were talking about this, and uh, let's hear it. 
rightly focused on Hunter Biden. I mean, this guy, how many films has he made of himself committing multiple felonies? I got to say, Jesse, if you put out a film with you with a pile of crack and prostitutes, some somebody would come knocking on your door and they would prosecute you. But 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 if daddy lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, apparently Part-time. the criminal laws do not mm. apply. And, and it is deeply Friday's uh, in corrosive to our system of justice when DOJ and the FBI are treated as partisan arms rather than non-partial, apolitical enforcers of the law. And it's not just the crack and the hookers, it's the potential kickbacks from the communist yeah. Chinese because we know the bank accounts between the son and the father were commingled. It, it's all out there. I mean, if, if we have it, the Department of Justice has it. They're just sitting on a mountain of evidence that the first family could be involved in an international pay-for-play scheme, a money laundering scheme. And then you look at Joe go so soft on the Chinese. Oh, well, let's not send Nancy there right now. It could be too provocative. I'm not going to ask about fentanyl when I talk to Xi Jinping. I'm not going to talk about the lab leak. I'm not going to confront him about anything yep. uh, because, you know, maybe my family still wants to get paid after I leave office. It's staring us right in the face, Senator, when you're when you guys take control as we expect in the senate you, you got to blow these hearings up because yes. that's the yes. only way we're going to get to the bottom of this entrenched corruption and cover-up I, I absolutely agree we need to yeah i just think when it comes to like congressional hearings and stuff like that that's a little bit down the rung um you know joe biden needs to be addressed for the, the real crimes that have been committed against the american people in addition to that you have people like merrick garland and alejandro Mayorkas that need to be gone as well but uh, this, is, this is highly concerning. When he talked about the FBI sitting on that pile of, of evidence and not doing anything about it. So there was a hearing yesterday up on Capitol Hill. It's Well, today's the last day before they go on a six-week break. Uh, it was chaired by Jim Jordan, but Matt Gates was there, and when he had the floor, he absolutely destroyed uh, the FBI representative that was there talking about this narrative. Uh, before we get into talking about it, you know, the Matt Gates clip is a couple minutes long, but I think it's really important that we hear it, the back and forth basically – Matt Gates kind of word judos him into admitting that there are opening investigations on Hunter Biden, but it was after a long and immense back and forth of prodding. Uh, you guys are going to have to hear it. Let's check it out. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat? Oh, I like this one. Mm-hmm. That's not a question that would come up before me, uh, Congressman. You're the head of the uh, National uh, Security Division, so it seems sort of on the nose. It's not in my practice or experience to identify individuals and, and to We've label that any individual, an American citizen or any individual, as a national security threat. Well, you would certainly concede that if the adult offspring of the President of the United States or the Vice President were compromised, that would be a national security threat, right? We speak through our filings in court, uh, and we speak through our actions in, in, in open court. No, you speak um, through so non-answers. I, okay, well, I, I speak to this. Where's the in, laptop? In Do you know where Hunter Biden's laptop is? Again, I'm not going to talk about any potential well, ongoing you know investigation as I sit here. Do you know where it is? I'm not going to talk about any ongoing investigation. You come here and you tell us you follow here. the facts in the law, but you can't even follow a laptop that you guys have had for three years. We follow the facts in the law, and we speak in open court about our yeah, but you aren't speaking about this but you know who is speaking about it the whistleblowers from the fbi who've gone oh. to, to senator grassley and said that you guys purposefully take any information that is that is derogatory about hunter biden and you go and rat hole it so that you never have to speak about it in any circumstance but the good news is you're not the only ones with that laptop so patrick ho was convicted of bribing government officials in africa and he gave a million bucks to hunter biden are you familiar with that? 
I'm not going to speak about any mm. ongoing investigation. Is that an ongoing investigation? I can, I'm not going to speak about I'm any not potential gonna, ongoing like, Don't you see that that degrades the country's like, belief in you guys when you have whistleblowers saying that you're purposefully rat-holing this information, and then you come here and say you won't talk about it? I mean, you know, inside Hunter Biden's multi-million dollar deals with a Chinese energy company, Washington Post, Matt Vizier, Chinese elite paid $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens, Peter Schweitzer in the New York Post. Hunter Biden's business partner called Joe Biden the big guy in panic messages. Do you guys call Joe Biden the big guy at the Department of Justice? So I think it's important to understand why we don't speak about cases outside of the courtroom. But, but, by, we, the we way, do that. by the way, the, we, we do I already that. know may, why. Sir, if I may you know, answer the you question. Know, you know why you don't speak about it? Because it's about Hunter Biden. You guys have no problem leaking about other stuff, right? Like, you got no problem going out and tagging Damn. parents at school board meetings as a national security threat. But when all of the facts and all of the law are before you regarding the corruption of Hunter Biden, you don't want to speak to that at all. And it's precisely why you've got folks that are talking to Senator Grassley about it. Bohai Harvest. So 10 days after Vice President Biden takes Hunter Biden to China, 10 days after, this long toiling venture of Hunter Biden that can't get off the ground, 10 days after they go, he automatically gets approved. So uh, for a deal in China with Bohai Harvest, like have you guys looked into that? I'm not gonna talk about any uh, ongoing investigation. Well, you know who else is talking? Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky told the world that Joe Biden was cut in on a CCP energy deal that was orchestrated by Hunter Biden. Like, have you guys talked to Tony Bobolinsky? Again, we don't talk about ongoing investigations uh, in settings such as this. So, so, so Joe Biden, uh, well, okay, we, 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 how about this? Will you commit to a classified briefing on these matters? I'd certainly be happy to talk to you or any member of the committee about uh, matters of national security. Okay, well, but is I don't this talk a matter about, of national I do security? Not talk, we do not talk outside of courtrooms about ongoing investigations. Well, is there an ongoing investigation of the annual fund dinner that happened where Joe Biden was vice president of the United States and Hunter Biden holds his fund's annual dinner at the Chinese embassy? And the, uh, but in order to do that, in order to get the Chinese embassy to roll out the red carpet for Hunter Biden and, and to raise money for his fund, he had to go to the embassy 30 minutes before and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Chinese ambassador. Do you think it's possible that that meeting might have jeopardized national security? I'm not going to comment about any potential uh, or ongoing investigation. Mm. Well, here, here's the thing. It's pretty easy to see that Hunter Biden is compromised. I think every American knows that's a threat to national security. I think we're watching a crime spree in progress that Hunter Biden is orchestrating. And one has to wonder, like, what are the Chinese getting for the tens of millions of dollars that they're cutting the Biden family in on? Oof. What is the Chinese Communist Party getting as a result of cutting in 10% for the big guy? And it just, I just happened to notice that like you guys canceled the China initiative that President Trump put in place where you focus talent on those things. You know, Jim Biden said to uh, Tony Bobolinsky that the reason they're able to get away with this corruption is plausible deniability. And that is precisely the plausible deniability that you, are, that you are animating and exemplifying today. And you know what? Winter's coming, we're gonna be in the majority, mm. and then you're gonna have to answer these questions for the country. Mike, Donald Trump Jr. testified for nearly 30 hours in the Russiagate scandal where the only outcome that Donald Trump Jr. could have was that he would make up lies about something that never happened out of fear and they would entrap him because the entire narrative was created by the people that interviewed him. 
can you believe that this kid has been, well, he's, he's a grown ass man, but you know, Hunter Biden's been allowed to do all of this stuff in addition to all the other things we found out about him over the course of the last couple of years. And, and it's just like they're drag. This is a perfect example of what the administrative state does. I mean, these are serious crimes. I yeah. mean, what Hunter Biden has done, uh, there is concrete evidence that the president of the United States is compromised and been getting paid off through his son for years by foreign actors that's not a crime if that's not collusion if that's not being compromised if that's not you know literally treason by definition whatever you want to whatever all the things they accuse trump of then i don't know what is but again we talked about earlier in the show the concept of the democrats projecting and accusing the right of everything that they actually are it is 100 uh on par with that here so joe biden is a criminal. Joe Biden is an empty vessel. The Biden family is a crime family. It's all been pointed out. It's all been laid out. And this was the deal with the devil that was conceived. Joe Biden will step up and be the white, moderate, empty, empty headed face of the Democrat Party in order to, quote unquote, win an election. And then in exchange, the family will be able to continue to keep their money, keep their wealth, and stay out of problems uh, with the Justice Department or getting arrested. So I don't know if Joe Biden did this by choice. I don't think he even knows, obviously, that he's president or what he's doing. I don't think his family particularly would like to see the sad state of affairs. But I think that they put him up to it. And the leverage from the left was that you're going to do this and it's going to keep the family intact because we all know they're criminals. So the Biden family just whores themselves to the Democrat Party for enrichment and then protection. And uh, here you go. This is the last step of it. Joe Biden, you know, and I'm going to say it every single time I talk today, Joe Biden it ends with Joe Biden getting his eyes superimposed when he's giving a speech. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, w when you just look at that whole narrative, it's just absolutely ridiculous. This comes on the heel of a report that's come out. Uh, two more whistleblowers have come forward uh, from the FBI revealing that apparently they have benchmark numbers in regards to, well, since white nationalism is the largest threat to the sovereignty of the United States, I guess for the past couple of years, the senior most management in the FBI has been pressuring people in the field who have been working cases to recategorize and classify random incidents that have nothing to do with white nationalism or domestic terrorism as such and have been going after people when they've literally done nothing wrong. Uh, this just came across the wire yesterday. It kind of ties into that whole thing that's going on with January 6th. And in our last audio clip of the day, Tucker Carlson had on the gold standard besides Julie Kelly, who has weighed in on all these things regarding the corruption at the FBI, Mr. Darren Beatty on to talk about it. Let's hear it. I got, I got to ask, because it, it may answer one of the great mysteries, is this, I think there are 14,000 hours of unreleased video footage from that day the administration is hiding from us. Do you think this is why? I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, it's, it's extremely suspicious. Even going back to this so-called pipe bomber video, remember the pipe bomber, the Capitol pipe bomber? The FBI has been bomber. extremely suspicious in withholding evidence, video evidence that could help and identify this bomber, which pre presumably they want to do. But if you may, I'd like to make a general point. And it really, after seeing all this, you have to ask yourself, does the national security apparatus do anything but conspire against the American people? I'm led 
to conclude that we cannot have a democracy. Everything in our politics will be fake and performative until we bring the national security state, including the FBI, to yep. heel. It's not a left issue. It's not a right issue. That's Every right. politician who cares about our country should demand a church committee 2.0. Immediately. And people of good faith on the left should join it uh, immediately. Darren Beatty, I appreciate you're coming on tonight in the work you do at Revolver.News. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like we've learned over the course of the last couple of years. You know, we saw it throughout the Trump administration with all the shit that went on with Comey, Cra well, Clapper, and Brennan. Crapper. Might as well call him Crapper. But but what it's happened after That's January 6th. Yeah, just how bad things. Is that his nickname? <laughs> Big Crapper. That's his uh, Secret Service uh, nickname. Yeah. Things that the FBI are out of control. I remember for so many years, people like Boomer Sweat Sean Hannity used to be like, oh, it's the people at the very top of the organization, and everybody there that's there is great, and they love this people. country. He's fucking full of shit, and so are they. This whole organization, and like Darren Beatty said, the national security apparatus is completely out of control. Well, it's, it's the people at the top, and then it's the people directly below them that are trying to get to the top, yep. and then it's the people directly below them that are brown-nosing the shit out of them because they know they'll be taken care of when their asshole friend gets to the top. Yeah. And then there's the poor people below that that are really just trying to do the job, trying to do good. They got into law enforcement or whatever it is for the correct reasons to to stop crime, and yet everybody above them is just complicit. No, I mean, it could, you know, you talk about the stuff that went on uh, with Donald Trump and Spygate, and then Jim Comey instigated the Rushgate investigation. You know, there was a January 6th, the Gretchen Whitmer Fed Surrection stuff. that they, They've kept the Fed Surrection thing so far out of the media and and are worried now. They funneled, I think, $20 million into her campaign because Tudor Dixon's coming on so strong and poses a legitimate threat to her not keeping that uh, governorship there when, when she's a top 10 contender for the Democrat nomination for president in 2024. Uh, you know, but it, it, this is all at the behest of the FBI. They just continue to go after, you know, regular American citizens like this Breitbart article. I'll send it to you, Mike. I don't know if you read it yet. They would literally have people that did nothing. And I think that's where a lot of this whole footage of January 6th, those 14,000 hours, that did nothing. Yeah. Literally not Like, they're just regular people go and completely Roger Stone their house and put them in cuffs and throw them in jail. And they actually went into the, the, the actual complex or they were just outside? No, people that did literally nothing. Well, I mean, nothing like they um, walked inside and did nothing? No. Like, stayed like, inside the velvet did, ropes and did nothing or just did didn't nothing? Didn't even go nothing. on the Capitol grounds, nothing. Man, I'm glad I didn't fly out there for that and, thing. And that's all that cell service and stuff like that, that they were, well, illegally, you know, surveilling people and, and you know, and it's they, bad. And the people that... The people that want to just deny that our government is capable of doing anything like this and being unfair and, and making shit up. It's like, I'm pretty sure that the general populace is in agreement that we did an entire war based on WMDs that did not exist. Uh, we're not taking back any Pulitzer Prizes for that. Yeah. We also, uh, well, they did the whole Russiagate scandal. They won a Pulitzer Prize for that one as well. And the New York Times actually put out, they corrected themselves like two weeks ago in a Sunday op-ed. And said, you want to know what? We did some really good investigative journaling on uh, the whole Russiagate scandal, and the whole thing was made up. Oops. Yeah. Mike, take our audience into the sunset on this huge battleground edition of Steak for Breakfast podcast. You were in Oof. it to win it. Uh, we were glad to have you in as a guest host today. Of course, we'll be having you back. Tell our listenership what's going on with you. When's the new show starting? What it's going to be called? And where yeah. can they find you on socials? 
guys, guys, if you listen to this show <laughs> from start to finish and you don't think that the country is on the verge of being 100% gone forever, then I don't know what will sound the alarm for you. I mean, it's really, really bad. And what I notice when we talk about the battleground and we have all these candidates on, what you guys notice is the theme from basically almost all the candidates is that forces within the Republican Party are trying to stop a lot of these America First candidates that the, the viewerships of this show likes, right? Yep. It's the Republican Party. So why is that? So they're trying to get elected and they're trying to say, oh, we're going to stop the woke stuff. And they keep saying woke and all these platitudes, but they don't get to the core of what's going on. They don't get to the core that they're trying to suck America dry from the inside out, make it unrecognizable, make you pay more for less, make you own nothing, put illegal immigrants in your cities and act like it's okay. All these things, okay? Make you feel good about sending all your tax dollars to fight some corporate uh, war in Ukraine that, you know, you get Zelensky on the cover of Vogue and all this. They try to manipulate you and twist you. And if you think that this is just the Democrats in control and this is what it looks like, then you're out of your mind. This is a issue with the uniparty. These are Democrats and Republicans. And that's why we got to get all these people we're having on the show today elected. Because if we don't, it will be gone. And we can't wait until Trump gets back into office in 24, okay? We can't wait for that. Got to have good people elected, and we got to start pushing back and writing legislation and doing things about it now. Now. Otherwise, it's going to be gone. I'm telling you, it's really scary. As I'm listening to this, I'm like, we're not going to be in a recession. We're going to be in a depression by the time they admit it's somewhat of a recession. So it's really scary to think about. And, uh, yeah, you guys did a great job today getting all these people and wrangling them all in. And it's just my honor to be on the show and, uh, you know, taking a little downtime here before the new show starts out. Mike Crispy, unafraid. Mm. Uh, we're currently working out, you know, uh, what it's going to look like and, you know, all the broadcasting platforms. But at the very least, it's going to be on uh, Rumble. Uh, we're going to be on a, a new uh, network on Rumble called LFA uh, TV, um, which is starting out on Rumble very soon. It's going to be. Uh, come September, sometime in September, that's going to start. It's going to be conservative programming on Rumble, uh, powered by Rumble. So can't wait for that. Going to have a show on there every single day. And we're also, you know, working on some other platforms that we're trying to get the show on. It's going to be a, a daily program, you know, 45 minutes a day of, of news, guests, commentary, sarcasm, but, you know, all, all the good stuff that people knew and loved from uh, my old show on RSBN. But five times better uh, because we are in a fight now that is five times as important than it ever was because it gets worse and worse every week. So love being on the show today, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, and uh, long live steak for breakfast. Nice. Well, we appreciate you, Mike. We're going to live link uh, the the preview for your new show on, on iTunes. And we're going to we're going to uh, put your social medias in there as well. You're one of the great friends of our show. You've been around since the beginning with us. And anytime we can. Uh, have you join us for some commentary or, or anything. We consider it a win here on Steak for Breakfast. Let's go. And it was good that you guys got to go to the rally. Long, long overdue and deserved. Long overdue and deserved. Trump should have gave you guys a shout out, but that's okay. I almost yelled Steak for Breakfast while Carrie Lake was speaking because I knew she would maybe catch it and try not to <laughs> acknowledge. But 
it still would have been funny. No, we'll, we were in an awkward position. We hadn't gotten our seats yet at that point. We'll get there. It's a natural progression, and uh, I think we're we're well ahead, of course. But uh, we'll just keep it going, and well, let's see what happens. Man, what a hell of a way to end the week, heading into this big midterm election. Back third, a lot of Trump tickets on the docket next week. Coming in hot. We came in super hot today. And uh, if you enjoyed this big episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and you want to check out the other 155 of them, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on Roku, and we're even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our slew of guests we had today. Of course, Mike Crispy for guest hosting. Always great to have him on. In addition to him, Forrest Epstein took some time out to uh, share a little bit of what he's got going on with us and all those America First candidates who have elections coming up next week. Joe Kent running in Washington 3, Eli Crane running in Arizona 2, John Gibbs from the battleground state of Michigan running in the 3rd District there, and of course, senatorial candidate Blake Masters. In addition to them, there's some of our internet friends. Q White Memes, The Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw a little cash all at our partners, because when you do that, it only helps make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow. Mike Lindell's done everything to take care of those sleep-related needs. When you earn a promo code stake at checkout, you'll get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is that website, and if you want to take care of everything morning activity-related... You can now enter promo code stake at my store, mypillow.com, mystore.com forward slash stake. And you can get a little bit of a discount on the coffee as well. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear and all things in-studio recording related. These are the best headphones I've ever owned. I absolutely love them and encourage you to make that investment. Odyssey.com, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. Let's see, what do we got a picture of this week? Oh, Joe Biden with the googly eyes. Yep. If you want that. But actual googly eyes on the holster. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And I bet you if you requested it, they could put it on a Kydex concealed carry holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. You might want to do outside the waistband. That way the googly eyes don't get knocked off. There you go. Stayreadygear.com is the website. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram as well. Man rubs. I had that pork butt yesterday. I forgot to bring Noah leftovers today. I have to bring him some next time. I had the chili. I was good. Excellent. I did uh, purchase it. Shake it, sprinkle it, rub it. It went into the slow cooker. Put some onions in there, a little garlic. I don't utilize the slow cooker enough. You don't. And uh, I got a smoker. Long story short, I threw it in my mouth. Num, num, num. Oh. Got him. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mediocre Medic. You're going to love all the gear they've got going on down there. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit better. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, our good friend Mark Joe Friday, owner, operator, CEO of Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. If you don't know, go ask them. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We got, uh, well, we're going to be back with another good one on Tuesday. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, who's going to be on the heels of those two big rallies in Arizona. I, I bet you he's going to be still reporting from there. Um, he's doing the two with uh, the Trump ticket there this weekend. 
he'll be in, and we're going to be sitting down with Dave Richardson, great friend of Cash Patel, formerly of the Department of Homeland Security. He's a Marine and an artist. We're going to love talking to him for a little bit. Paige Wiley will be in next Friday, and we're going to be circling back with the Republican nominee for governor in Maryland, owner of Larry Hogan and all of his neck. Yep. Mr. Dan Cox will be back. Christina Bob scheduled for the 19th. In between, between there and that, we've got a whole bunch lined up, just no dates yet. Adam Lexall, Carl Paladino, Mary Miller, Carrie Lake, Kingsley Cortez, one of the top execs at Getter. Cash Patel will be back in August. So will Devin Nunez. And we just talked to Julie Kelly's people yesterday. She's going to be sitting down with us at some point near the end of the month. So look forward to all those dates get finalized, and uh, we're going to have some great shows coming up for you guys. Friends of the Week, got to give really special tribute here. So we shared, in a collaborative sense, a meme from the Real Meme DeLorean account. Caught a little bit of fire. It was about Sue and CNN and Chaco Tacos. Oh, yeah. Well, long story short, it made it on Newsmax's meme team today with John Bachman, and uh, Sean Farah narrated the meme. <laughs> oh, I got to see that. So just click on the link I sent you. Know it. It's the first comment in. He's actually standing in front of the meme, and he narrates it. So it's really funny. So real meme DeLorean, we fucking love you. Let's go, Brenda. Real Al Gorbachev, mostly peaceful memes. John Bachman, of course, for getting us on Newsmax today. Madam America, Richard Ratboy, that Southern dude. Right Wing Savages 2.0, Truth on Draft, Machiavelli Memes, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Things to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. My research was going through my Rolodex and calling up all these candidates that have uh, midterm elections on Tuesday. And look at that. Long story short, we got four great guests for you all to listen to. Number two, start a podcast. I'm going to get ahead of myself. No, I'm sorry. You going to time travel again? <laughs> a little bit. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness. We don't talk about it enough. We need to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 156 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get out and vote next Tuesday. Take care. So monkeypox is about the coolest name ever for a disease. Can't come tonight, I got the monkey. But they are changing the name because racism or something. Well, for once, we don't know who they are. We're not going to allow it. We're going to change the name this time. We're going to do it with the public's help because democracy is real. So we had a vote. There was no ballot harvesting. You can trust our counting. And the new name for monkeypox is now officially, and we're declaring it, Schlong COVID. <laughs> that won our audience election with about 40% of the vote. So let Rochelle Walensky at the CDC know her number is 1-800-232-4636. Wait for the prompt on monkeypox and make your voice heard because it's still a democracy.